Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. And joining me for this part of the show, we have Dalton Bishop. Hey, Spence. How are you? I'm doing great, Dalton. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. on to talk some college football. We'll begin with the, um, this game was on Saturday of last week, the FCS Football Championship Subdivision Championship, where North Dakota State claimed their ninth championship. With a 30 to 10 victory over Montana State, uh, North Dakota State, like I said, they've had a dynasty for the last, I mean, like I said, nine championships. Most of them come within the last decade or so. Obviously, they've produced NFL players such as Carson Wentz and Trey Lance. So they know how to win. And it's like, kind of like Alabama football. We'll get to Alabama a little bit later on. We'll talk FBS next. Don't worry about it. Uh, but they just have a dynasty and they keep winning. It's exciting. It, yeah, it sucks if you're another team, but what they built there at North Dakota State, like if you're a football player, you're not quite good enough for that top level division one. You're still a division one player at the FCS level. So go to North Dakota State and you can win a championship there. Um, it was not really close. They dominated early. And that's all I have to say, really. Dawn, did you get a chance to watch this at all or see any highlights? No, I didn't, Spence. I was I was busy during that time, but um, yeah. I mean, that, that there's nothing really more you can say about their sheer dominance that they've had at the FCS level. Um, it's just one of those things that, as an FC as a uh, FCS team, you have to go in thinking that's the team you have to beat every year. I mean, they're stacking talent upon talent upon talent. And uh, it's tough to do. It really is. Uh, year in, year out for the field and for North Dakota State. You know, how do you replenish that talent year after year after year? Keep it going. After you win that first or second chip, you have that target on your back. So it seems like it seems like now, like, people are trying and they're trying, but they're not succeeding. And that's the real definition, I think, of uh, – absolute sh- like sheer dominance of a football team okay so i do need to correct myself a bit the nine for is only at the division one level and those have been since 2011 they had uh five d2 championships and then uh predating the division there was the college division they had three championships in the 60s but either way like either way you slice it they have built a powerhouse there on to the game everyone probably is probably familiar with is the college ball playoff championship to determine the FBS champion. That was between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs. Alabama, like I said, they've had a dynasty for years. Georgia unable to beat Bama. Kirby Smart, um, he's been close before. This was the fifth meeting be- all time between the two. And every single time Georgia had a 10-point lead, and it didn't even matter because Nick Saban and company – would get it done. This time was not the case. It was a field goal game in the first half. Um, which if that's you, if you don't like that style of football, you probably thought it was a quote boring game. But I enjoyed it. And then I was the second half. We had some more scoring, and then Georgia with the late game touchdown, then the interception return touchdown by Keely Ringo to ice the game with 56, 54 seconds to go in the game. As Georgia finally gets their first championship in 40 plus years. Back dating to the days of Herschel Walker. Um, I'm happy for Curry Smart. I'm happy for Stetson Bennett, the quarterback for Georgia, who, uh, at least me talking about him, he's not a 
top prospect if you're looking at NFL talent. Obviously, he's good enough to win the championship. But preseason, he wasn't even the starting quarterback. It was JT Daniels, the mm-hmm. former U- USC quarterback. And JT Daniels actually was preseason all-conference second team. That's how highly they thought of JT. And not so much with Stetson Bennett, who took over midseason because JT got injured. Next man up mentality. And he's now led Georgia to a championship. And that will never be taken away from them. So I'm happy for Georgia. Dane Lanning gets a championship before he departs for Oregon. Um, overall, just a very exciting game, too. Dole, I'll let you speak now on your thoughts from the championship game this past Monday. Mm, I thought it was good for the first half. But, um, you know, we get to, you get to the point where Jameson Williams goes down. Um, torn, torn ACL, and... You know, you, you can't help but think that with Mechie already being out and then Williams, um, they're not in great shape. Uh, yeah. And we kind of knew once that happened, there was going to be, there's going to be a change in the game. Um, so Georgia just took advantage and was able to come through and, I think I saw something about how after this game, like you just see, we'll just see a bunch of Alabama players uh, leave, get into the transfer portal, and I'll be darned. A couple of days later, you have five, six, six. But guys how many of them were actual guys that contributed? I feel like I didn't look at the list, but I feel like most of them were kind of buried on the depth chart. Um, their tight end Billingsley played some. Um. But not like major contribution, but you know a contribution here and there. Uh, and I, I mean, I totally understand where they're coming from. You know, you want PT, or you just think that there will be a good opportunity somewhere else for you to make a minute a name for yourself. Um, it's something totally understandable. But um, yeah, I figure after Williams went down, there's going to be a slight change, and it happened, and um. For a guy who picked Bama, I don't think anybody could have foresee, foresaw, foresaw that, uh, except for Spence. Spence picked Georgia to win, but um, I know I was betting against the trend. I know never uh, bet against Nick Saban. I just thought you know with the rematch, Metchie already being a noggin. I did not predict Jamison Williams going down. I wish he wasn't injured. The game is definitely different if he's healthy. There's no doubt about that, but. I just thought Georgia, you know, they've seen such other once. It's hard to be a team twice in one season. That's what I saw going in, and by golly, I was right, apparently. Um, yeah, and as you go through the game, like, Bama was going three and out, and defense just could not could not keep up the Alabama defense, that is. Um, I recall... I recall many defensive penalties uh, on Bama's side, and I, was, I couldn't help but think that there was a little undiscipline going on there. Uh, and Bama usually, I'm not a huge Bama fan, but I could tell that, you know, with certain teams, there are no funny business, discipline, no penalties. And Bama was committing penalties left and right. And, that injury had really rattled them because they weren't able to do very much after that. So I'm reading on uh, – it's on Wikipedia, so it's how you want. 
But this is the first time that Georgia has beat Alabama. And granted, they don't play every single year. So I don't know how many exact matchups this is. But the last time that Georgia beat Bama was 2007. And that was Nick Saban's first year. And if I'm not mistaken, Matt Stafford was at Georgia. Yeah, he was at Georgia that year. So Stetson Bennett and was the first horse was Matt Stafford to beat Nick Saban in Alabama. Pretty pretty phenomenal when you think about it. You see that Matt Stafford's a pro football quarterback now, and maybe maybe that could be in the cards for Stetson Bennett for sure. Yeah, that Georgia team uh, made the Sugar Bowl. They did not win the SEC because the Tennessee won the East and they had the tiebreaker from a head-to-head regular season game that year. But yeah, Georgia Sugar Bowl champs to beat Hawaii that year. Hawaii led by the late Colt Brennan, if I'm not mistaken. So that's our college football discussion. We actually, for the first time in a while, have some other news and notes, not just football related. Uh, the NBA, Clay Thompson finally returns to action. It's been 2019 was the last time we played. That was the NBA Finals. It was at the old Oracle Arena. Um, since then, the Warriors moved to the Chase Center over in San Francisco, just across the Golden Gate Bridge from Oakland. Um, but Clay, I'm just glad he's back healthy because Clay is such a likable player, which you can't really say much about anybody. Um, I think Dame is pretty likable because he's played for one franchise. There's a few others' names that I don't know, but like LeBron is a lot of people that don't like LeBron for various reasons, better or worse. But Clay, you'll find it very hard to see people that don't like Clay Thompson because he's also never been the guy on Golden State. He's always been like, you know, second fiddle to Steph Curry, that first chip. Then, you know, they added KD, so it's kind of third fiddle. He's a very great player, and he's so underrated in the grand scheme of things because of him never being the guy, for better or worse. That's just how I view it. But to see him finally come back, you know, tears his ACL, tours Achilles in the offseason, preparing to come back. Um, this is something I'm just I'm just glad to see him back. Dawn, anything else you want to add about Clay Thompson finally returning to the court? It's about time, man. It's about time. And uh, we know that the Warriors missed him. He missed the Warriors. They're going to get a lot better now that he's back. For sure. Uh, I haven't seen, watched much of his games. I know he had a layup. Let's see. ESPN, he's averaging 15.5 points per game in a few. He's only played twice now, I think. Yeah, I'm, if I'm reading the box, ESPN, open against Cleveland, he played at Memphis. Uh, his first game back with against Cleveland, 17 points, 7 of 18 shooting, 3 of 8 from 3. Yeah, he's only gonna get better. Like, I mean, you get you gotta ease him in. He's played 20 minutes both games so far. Um, that's a hell of an efficiency there. 17 points in 20 minutes of action, and then 14 and 20 minutes of action. I I can't wait for his role to expand. Um, and then on the other side of um another sport, John Lester, former major league baseball pitcher, three-time World Series champion, won two with the Boston Red Sox, one with the Cubs, helped in that curse. Five-time All-Star in his career was the NLCS MVP in 2016, led the league in wins in 2018 with Chicago. Um, he spent half a season in Oakland when he was in Boston. He was traded to Oakland for a year. Uh, ended his career last year, played the Nationals, um, then traded to St. Louis. Um, 
He also had a no hitter in 2008. Just a little personal story with that. That's the I didn't watch the game, but I just remember that was the first time I remember like turning on sports in the morning. I used to watch it all the time before school and hearing the words someone has thrown a no hitter. I didn't know what, exactly what that meant at the time because I was eight years old then. Uh, but yeah, John Lester is the first time I remember hearing a player who threw a quote no hitter and he only threw it once in his career, but that was you know, a tremendous career for him. Uh, he's only 38 years old. So is his career exactly 200 wins? Um, kind of crazy left on that. Career 3.66, 2,488 strikeouts. Uh, just a, it's a great career for him. I can't wait to see um, what he does in the next stage of his life. Um, that's all I have to say on that. Dalton, anything you want to add on John Lester's retirement and what you remember from his pitching days? There's nothing to add. Nothing to add for sure. Uh, I definitely agree with whatever, what have you said. Um, I don't have really anything to add on the John Lester subject except for happy retirement. All right. Um, that's going to do it for uh, us. Unless you have anything else you want to cover in the other sports we'll get to NFL in a bit with Christian. No, sir. That's it. All right. So uh, we'll take a quick ad break. We'll be back. Christian's going to join us. And we have a lot to unpack from, you know, week 18 of the NFL season and preview wild card weekend. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back from the ad break, guys. And now Christian Ernst is on. Christian, how's it going, man? Doing good. What's up, y'all? It's been a very busy week, you know. Obviously, we talked earlier in the show about college football. Now we're here to talk some NFL news and notes. Before we dive into how exciting week 18 it was, and it was a very good week of football, I must say. Uh, we're going to start with some low lights. The uh, coaches that unfortunately got fired this past week. I was earlier in the year, Jacksonville fired Urban Meyer. The Raiders, you know, Green resigned, but they made the playoffs. We'll get to that a lot later on the show. Don't want to miss that discussion. But here are the coaches that were fired this past week. We'll go one by one, give our thoughts on the uh, the potential opening or the job that is open now and maybe some potential fits there, however we see it. Beginning with Sunday morning, we had the news. The Broncos had decided to move on from Vic Fangio, a hire that really never made sense to me. At least I get that where he was coming from with Fangio being where he was in Chicago at the time. They had the best defense in the NFL. They had acquired Khalil Mack. Um, he was an older guy. Um, obviously, they played on Saturday this past week against Kansas City. They had a close game. Um, I think Fangio probably finds footing as a defensive coordinator again somewhere. Um, he was a first-time head coach in his 60s, which uh, unfortunately for him, it didn't work out. Denver had a lot more issues, I think, internally. Like, quarterback play, for one, was, to say the least, below average. Like, that's maybe putting it maybe too nice there. Um, but they have potential to be a good job going forward for somebody. If they could nail a quarterback in either the draft or in free agency this offseason, or in a trade even, I think Denver could be a dark horse playoff contender next year. That's just... On the surface there. I'll go with Dalton first. Uh, just your reaction to the news of the Broncos moving on from Vic Fangio. Uh, it's not surprising, really. Uh, I mean, if we look back at uh, Vic Fangio's performance as a head, as a, uh, head coach, and I think the I think the resume speaks, speaks for itself. Um, it was only a matter of time. Broncos have a higher standard than than that, and they've got they've got other issues and. Um, yeah, I'm surprised this this move what didn't happen sooner. 
the thing about Denver is they haven't lost a playoff game since 2014 because their last playoff appearance was that Super Bowl championship run in Peyton Manning's final year. So they haven't even lost a playoff game in a, um, a half a decade at least now. Because they haven't um, been in one. <laughs> that, yeah, they haven't been in one now. Yeah, I mean, that take that how you want. Is it the Kansas City Royals and MLB went like 30 years from a World Series appearance? Um, and they finally made it back in that year, but they did losing the first time around. Anyway, Christian, your thoughts on Vic Fangio, uh, um, the Broncos departing from him? Um, I mean, I did kind of see it coming. Uh, Vic is a very nice uh, defensive coordinator. Obviously, you know, like you mentioned, his time with the Bears, uh, with Khalil Max, Akeem Hicks, uh, Eddie Jackson, and a lot of still those pieces in Chicago are still there. Uh, and still their defense is okay in Chicago from time to time. But I think Vangio, I think like most coaches, um, a lot of them are better as an assistant and as a coordinator instead of being the guy, the head coach, to really kind of take ownership of what, you know, the production of the offense and the defense. So, and I mean, he kind of stated true uh, in his final press conference about what's the big difference in the division. I mean, Derek Carr, uh, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, all, you know, B-plus or better quarterbacks in my eyes. I've seen them all at a very high level uh, in the NFL. And right now, Denver just doesn't have that. I I love Teddy, and I think Teddy is an amazing quarterback, but he is not a guy – like, he is close to his 30s, and I don't think he'll be kind of the guy to really make Denver um, a playoff team. Mm -hmm. Drew Locke, I think that experiment is kind of over with. We know he is okay, but not, again, a playoff-leading quarterback. And Brett Ripon, obviously – you know, he's back of material. That's just what he is. But, I mean, he's still got a great, ros- uh, great roster. Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, uh, Tim Patrick in the slot. Very good receivers. Uh, they got a nice running back field and Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Noah Font, obviously, great tight end. They have a older but, uh, but steady offensive line. Their defense did decently well without Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Shelby, uh, Micah Kaiser, Kyle Fuller, Justin Simmons, Bryce Callahan. They got nice pieces on Denver. They just need kind of, you know, an organ. Like, it just needs to be led better, I guess, in the terms. And we could see a lot. We could see Brian Flores, maybe another defensive guy. Maybe we see an offensive guy. Maybe like Doug Peterson coming into Denver. But I think this offseason, definitely what Denver needs to try and do you know, they, they're kind of in the middle of the pack in the in the first round. Um, you got to look at quarterback. You know, what quarterback is going to be up there? Do you look at Matt Corral? Do you look at Malik Willis? Do you look at can he pick it and see what happens? But I think quarterback is definitely the main question. If they hit it there, then I think their team is going to be, like you said, Spencer, a dark horse uh, for next season. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Bears, we mentioned because of Vic Fangio's time there. Vic Fangio's former head coach when he was with Chicago as their DC, Matt Nagy. We all saw this coming midseason. I, I have to imagine there was obviously reports middle of the year around Thanksgiving time that Matt Nagy could be fired. But surprisingly, I mean, maybe not surprisingly, but Chicago has a rich history of never firing a coach midseason. And 
I guess they decide they're not going to do it there. I want to know how long Matt Nagy knew he wasn't returning to Chicago. So I feel like that was the conversation they had midseason. Um, unfortunately, also Ryan Pace, or maybe fortunately, you're a Bears fan. I'm not sure. I don't have the in depth knowledge. Or Bears Pace. fans, fortunately. That's yeah, yeah. You're Bears. Ryan Pace also let go from general manager duties there. I mean, Ryan Pace infamously training up one spot to get. Mitch Trubisky, we don't need to rehash that more than we already do here on this podcast in real life. Uh, Chicago, yeah, it's going to get run its course there. I think Fields is the quarterback of the future there. I, I'm a big fan of Fields, and I think with the right coach, it could be a very good experiment. Um, and just to get, they've been in the playoffs two of the last four years under Nagy. It just seems like he's not the guy for the future. And going forward, you got to build the roster around it, but the GM hire, in my opinion, is probably more important more so than the quarterback hire because if you get an aggressive GM out there that can go make some splash moves in free agency, I mean, pays for all of his faults. He did orchestrate the Kilo Mac trade. And great again, part of it probably was Gruden wanted Kilo Mac out and he was willing to deal with anyone, but give Pace at least credit on that. Um, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for all these openings to see. Where the futures, I'm generally optimistic. I like to see teams succeed, even if my not my own team, not my favorite team. And Chicago's pretty interesting because you because you think at least you have the quarterback spot locked up, which is the most important spot on the team. And then you just gotta build a roster. I mean, I'm on like right now, they have a lot of free agents that you need to potentially bring back, or maybe you let them go and you go get someone else. So it's gonna be a fun offseason for Chicago. Uh, but yeah, you gotta get the GM and the quarterback. I mean, the head coach hire first. I'll go Christian next. I mean, division rival with you in um, Chicago. Uh, what's your reaction to the Bears and your outlook for the offseason there? Um, I mean, and, and again, this is kind of going off of what I said about uh, Vic Vangio, is Matt Nagy is a good offensive mind. I think he did start off really well uh, in 2017 when he had Mitch Trubisky. And really ever since – late 2018, kind of mid, uh, early, mid 2019, a lot of people are kind of like, uh, is he the guy? And then obviously everything went off the rails uh, in Chicago. It's a very tough business to be in because Chicago and Minnesota are very tough. Uh, NFC North is a very tough division because you have a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And even though the roster may not be there in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers can do a lot. And Kirk Cousins, middle-of-the-level quarterback. Like, And then you have bad coaching in Chicago and bad decision-making and also just a bad roster uh, overall, kind of a below average. And then you got Detroit, which is Detroit. But with Chicago, I mean, you know, Justin Fields is the guy. I'm confident in that. Uh, they have solid players everywhere. They got David Montgomery at, at tailback. They got Allen Robinson at number one. I think Cole Komet is a very up-and-coming tight end. Um, defensively, Eddie Goldman, Nakeem Hicks, uh, Roquan Smith, uh, Eddie Jackson. They got tremendous talent all over that defense. You know, again, the main concern for Chicago, it's got to be the offensive line. Because Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, whoever was playing, they kept getting hit a lot. And we're going to mention a team later on about their offensive line. But with Chicago, I mean, Jason Peters, he's out the door. 
I mean, Jermaine Afidi, we already know he's kind of a bust at tackle, and that's how he played. And they're in their interior in, uh, offensive line is very inconsistent. So Chicago really got to focus on them. But, you know, for Chicago fans, I think they're just overjoyed with Pace leaving and Matt Nagy leaving. So a better age in Chicago may come forth from this. Uh, it'll be tough because I think Chicago is the closest thing to a, a competitor in the NFC North right now. But if they have a good offseason and depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers, Chicago may see the NFC North title next season. All right. Dolan, your outlook on uh, in reaction to the news of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace not returning in Chicago? Again, it's it's one of those moves that we just didn't we didn't um, see as a surprise. Um, of course, Matt Nagy did a lot better job with his job descriptions than um, Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace did. If I have to, if I have to rank them or who did better at their respective positions, um, in my humble opinion, uh, Matt Nagy. I mean, he got his team to the playoffs, albeit with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we harp on Mitch Trubisky a lot, like he's a backup. And I mean, if you can do that, obviously, obviously, there's, there's uh, no doubt that you'll get a coaching job somewhere as an OC. Um, but with Ryan Pace, there were just too many, too many, too many things that from an outsider's perspective, we just thought were completely wrong. Uh, you guys mentioned moving up to two. Um, some of his draft picks, um, what had like, I can recall maybe one within the past couple years, maybe two or three years that, was like a good pick, uh, especially on the defensive side. Jalen Johnson, I think. Roquan Smith was a hit. Jalen Johnson's a pretty good corner. Um, but other than that, not that much. And when you have to go against Aaron Rodgers twice a year, you need to hit on all your draft picks, and you need to be constantly in free agency saying, how can we get better under the salary cap? Because Aaron's not going anywhere, so I really thought that this past year that they were gonna try to try to make a run for it, especially after Trubisky signed somewhere else. Okay, you grab a Justin Fields. Okay, that's good. But then you, on the other hand, you start Andy Dalton. Why not? Especially in the NFC North, where Aaron's pretty much the only guy you got to worry about. Why not throw Justin in there and see what he can do? Uh, we've seen precedents with this, with especially mobile quarterbacks. Uh, not Lamar Jackson, obviously, but um, in other particular situations, like there's, there's got to be, you know, they gotta let Justin develop, and I think um, the next coach will definitely, definitely do that. He'll be, he'll actually have a belief in him. And think that he'll be able to do a good enough job as a as a, as a uh, second year player. Uh, the same with the GM, GM coach, got to be on the same pay, uh, page. Uh, I mean, if I was if I was them, I would think that Justin Fields is the future here. Um, 
So that's got to be that's got to be their number one priority. Getting them more weapons, better defense, maybe. David Montgomery's a hell of a back, but uh, I think other than that, they they've got things they've got things to do, things to work on. All right, on to another uh, team, same division that probably has a better roster, except for the most key position, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. They've moved on from both Mike Zimmer and their GM Rick Spielman. Spillman have been there since 2012. Zimmer since 2014. And Zimmer just felt the it, it felt like they ran their course with him. Uh he won two division titles there, made three playoff appearances. It was an every other year trend, except this should have been the year they made the playoffs. They missed it outright. Eight and nine season. Uh again, mid-season. I put this down the pod. I remember it seemed like the writing was on the wall for Zimmer. This appeared to be his final year with the Vikings. And then that comment he had late in the year about. Kellen Mond, he's like, I see him in practice. I'm not going to put him on the field when Kirk had to miss a game with COVID protocols. Um, but the, I like the roster. You know, Dalvin Cook is a great – he was a pro bowler this year, great running back. Justin Jefferson, two years in his career, he's been a pro bowler this year. Um, they got a really good roster, I think, going forward. Uh, Kordak, you know, Kirk Cousins, you probably – the new GM, whoever that is, probably going to want to cut bait or move on soon. I think maybe, maybe he has one year left on his contract, so he might be able to get out without hitting much dead money. Uh, but yeah, get some good town around him. Build up an old line that can protect whoever the future is there. Um, obviously, you know, strength up the defense. You're 8-9, but you beat Green Bay once this year. Take that how you want. Um, they've been involved. They were close with a few times. Uh, seven point loss to the Dolan's Rams. But also a head-scratching loss to the Lions at one point. Uh, so it's good. It's going to be a weird offseason, but I think Minnesota has at least the supporting cast around whoever the future quarterback is to potentially make enough improvements to make the playoffs next year. Um, that's at least my takeaway. Again, we got to wait to the whole offseason, how it plays out, but just looking ahead, that's how I see. It's potentially a good job if you want to be a GM there. I'll go stick with Christian, you know, same division, division rival, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, your takeaways and thoughts on them moving on from Zimmer and Spielman. Um, I mean, yeah, for Minnesota, you know, you kind of nailed it in the head. This is probably the best roster, in my opinion, in the entire NFC North, better than Green Bay's. Um, Dalvin Cook is a tremendous running back. Him and Aaron Jones are definitely top five, definitely top ten. Uh, Justin Jefferson – Kind of like Jamar Chase, one of the top young receivers in the league. Um, I think they have a better offensive line than most uh, teams in our division and in the NFC. And then you kind of look at their defense. Besides defensive line, I mean, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Nick Vigil, Patrick Patterson, Peterson, uh, Harrison Smith, Xavier Woods. They, they got a lot of great talent on their team. And for Minnesota – you know, like you also said, Kirk Cousins is probably the one big issue. It's like Kirk is not a bad quarterback. It's just when you have a really good roster and you can't get over the hump, what is it? Well, we got a number one receiver. We got a good offensive line. We got a good running uh, tailback. We got a good defense, a solid defense. And what's missing? It's quarterback. And Kirk Cousins, when the lights are bright and everybody is looking at him to be the best, he doesn't show up. And that's sad. 
And the only times he's really been under spotlight and won is against the Chicago Bears. And that's it. But for Kirk, I mean, kind of like you were saying, I think Kirk is probably done in Minnesota or close to being done. And a lot of speculation, obviously, who they're going to hire and possibly quarterback controversy. Will Russell Wilson possibly get traded, even though he said he's staying? Uh, will Deshaun get over to Minnesota? Are they going to possibly trade up to get a quarterback? Who knows? But Minnesota definitely has that one question mark in, in Kirk Cousins. But I think this is the best job, honestly. You look at all the other jobs uh, that are available right now, I think uh, Minnesota is the best one. It's got a good roster, just has one question mark at quarterback, and then you're really set. And then, like I mentioned, what what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? Is Chicago going to take, take a step forward or back? Uh, Detroit is kind of Detroit, but they look like they're, they may be more on the uprise and uh, step in back. So Minnesota right now, I think the future is very bright right now. Uh, and they should definitely be optimistic for the offseason. All right. Dawn, your takeaways from the Minnesota Vikings opening up their head coach and GM search. Um, ooh, well, when you really look at it, think about think about the uh, the ranking that the Vikings defense was last year, and they they have all these players, but statistically they weren't where they want to be. Um, the Vikings offense last year was really when you look at it the strength of their team. They had a top five offense, top ten offense maybe. Uh, they just couldn't get anything done defensively despite all the players that they have. So I can see why they got rid of Mike Zimmer, the defensive coordinator. So I'm thinking maybe, you know, if you want to get some fresh blood in there, some new blood, um, somebody who's younger than Zimmer but has been doing it for a while, maybe maybe a Brian Flores, maybe somebody like that to really turn the tide. Uh, and give this Viking squad a chance. Um, a chance to go play some complimentary football. Uh, obviously, you know, I think it was about time uh, for for these guys to enter the search and look for look for a GM and a coach again. Um, I figure they might be in prime position with all the other uh, position groups on the team and you know, they think that, oh, maybe if we, if we ace this coaching hire, ace the GM hire, we'll be good. We'll be good and for, you know, the long term. All right. Now switching to, to my division, we have the AFC East in a bit of a head scratcher because this one broke later than the rest, and we were all pretty surprised um, when we saw the news about this. <laughs> Because uh, I like my first th- thing was so, so for me, I'm I think Dawn and I were in class. Christian sends the text saying, What the hell's going on? Miami fired Brian Flores. Like, that's a dumb hot, that's a dumb fire. And Christian, I'm sorry to step on you. I know, give you your oh, no, you're to, absolutely fine. Dumb. You're right ahead. But, I'll, but, I'll have my little spiel in a minute, but yeah, it's like he was building up something, I thought, and 
it came out that apparently the relationships with him and GM Chris Greer, uh, him and Tua Tagovailoa, uh, maybe even him and Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, it had deteriorated to the point where um, they just say, "Hey, we're going to cut our loss here and just move on from you." Uh, kind of a power struggle, and unfortunately, Flores got the uh, short stick there. But he was what? Okay, I said midseason. They were one and seven at the time. Maybe it was before they lost that seventh game. That someone's got to change, or he could be out of a job this year. I kind of foretold that. I thought that winning streak they went on. Maybe I thought it saved his job. Honestly, I thought you know he's nine and eight. Last year he won ten games. Sure, you take one step back a bit, but you know you're still you got a bright future. You think at least. I think that if I'm Miami, Chris Greer is on the hot seat right now. Immediately, he's got he's got one year because you know you moved on. You picked out you want Greer to stay, not Flores. Show me next year. If you miss the playoffs next year. I think Greer's got to go. That's just my two cents on being about the Dolphins there. And again, I, I'm a Patriots fan. I don't like the Dolphins succeeding. But also, Flores came from New England. I like to see Flores succeed because he's a former New England guy. And it, it just sucks for him because he had such a bright future in Miami. And I think they were building towards something. And I think Tua is a good quarterback. And again, for all of his limitations, you can criticize him. You can nitpick any quarterback in the league. That's a fact there. They had Tua. Now, the Watson rumors, that's a whole other story. I think if you gave him one more year, I think it could have been. I think it could have been the playoffs next year potentially, depending on what was on the off season. Uh, but yeah, if I'm a, if I'm a head coach and I look at that job, it's like, what? Like, is there? I mean, someone will take the job, obviously. Uh, someone's going to value it, but what's the upside? Because if you get canned like this for having two straight um, above 500 record seasons, you know, ten and six, nine and eight, and this first year they were really bad roster wise. And they still won five games. We were all surprised that they won five games that year. And also, I think Miami was scummy for their statement. They're like, look, his record overall was 24 and 25. I guess sub 500. Like, it was a bad thing. They didn't do like, I mean, look, if you see the raw numbers, sure, 24 and 25 through three years, it's not a good record. They can be better. But there's a inside, like, look more in depth than the numbers. There's a reason for them being the way they are. And this year, unfortunately, that loser streak, maybe they made the mind up midseason, like, hey, we're going to fire him up the year. But it, it's just un- it's unfortunate for Flores. But I think Flores, he's good enough um, comparatively to other Belichick disciples. He's only 40 years old. Um, there's a head coaching hire that we'll get to in a moment that I think he'll be – I think he'll take it personally, but I think he would be – he's a prime candidate for all these openings. Let me just put it that way. I'll go Dalton next. Uh, how stunned were you if you saw the news that Flores was retired or fired? Excuse me. I was very stunned. Um, I thought that Flores, if we're talking about quarterback and coach, I thought that Flores was he had more security than Tua did. Um, and the GM. I mean, let's not let's not get it twisted now. Flores was the reason that this team did not err. Excuse me, was able to win more than five games. Just look at the roster. You can tell that it's substantially better, but the offense is nothing. Nothing. They have Devontae Parker, and that's pretty much uh, Jalen Waddle, and that's pretty much it. Uh, if you want to consider Miles Gaskin a starter, fine. But when you look at it, that was a defensive led team. 
and the record that they finished in, um, that was a big kudos. Kudos to Flores. He was the savior of that franchise for the stretch that he was there. And now, if they don't get this one right, the Dolphins are going to go back, you know, back to being bad, um, back to being worse than they were when Flores was there. And it's unfortunate because, obviously, what was that there were some rumors that how Flores didn't want Tua and Steven Ross or Greasy wanted Tua or something like that. Um, ah, man, it's unfortunate, really. It's really unfortunate because you see the things that other quarterbacks are doing, Justin Herbert's doing. <laughs> if Justin Herbert's wide receivers could catch a ball, they'd be in the playoffs right now. Let's, let's just, or if Herbert's competent, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spencer likes to call it. Let's call let's call a, a, a spade a spade. Like That's just – I can't help but think if Miami would have taken a different quarterback – that they would be in a different position right now, maybe in the postseason. Um, this is not Brian Flores' fault. He made the most of what he had there, and he'll get another head coaching job. That's just the that's just the name of the game here. All right, Christian. I mean, you were the first of us to see the news, obviously. So, what was your? I mean, you had to have been stunned, obviously, based on the tone of your text to us. Uh, just I'll let you. Uh, the floor is yours to lay all your grievances to Miami on firing Brian Flores. Out of all of the head, like every single head coach that's been fired, I can see the reasoning. Brian Flores is by far and away, in my opinion, the best head coach of the ones that are fired. I don't think he's the best coach overall. Zimmer obviously has won two division titles, and Brian hasn't. But I thought. Flores, out of all these guys, is the safest. Like, 100% I would, like, agree. And I believed that Flores was – his seat was going to be the hottest because they were 5-11 in 2019, 10-6, and second in the AFC East, barely not making the playoffs. And then the losing streak that they were on after uh, beating the Patriots in week one – and then they go on this winning streak, and then obviously uh, the awful game against the Titans kicked them out of the playoffs. But, like, this was going to be, in my opinion, Brian's last year if he doesn't make the playoffs in 2022. And then they fire him. I'm like, you know what? It Like, he just can't get it over the top mm-hmm. or get into the playoffs. I can see it. But Brian is taking over a organization – that is historically, since after Dan Marino, been trash. And not just like, oh, they've been bad. No, they've been trash. Ryan Tannehill, who's the Titans quarterback, he actually got them to the playoffs one year. Got destroyed by the Steelers, but we don't need to talk about that. But got them to the playoffs one time. And since then, terrible. They've always been been pick high, and then they always miss it. I mean, their last first-round pick that was actually, like, really daggum good since Tua is Devontae Parker. Their offensive line has been hit and miss. Uh, Christian Wilkins, yes, he's a good defensive tackle, but, like, yeah, Like, I don't – like, he's kind of hit and miss as well. He, he resolved the issue with Xavier Howard because Xavier wanted to get out of Miami 
he dealt had to deal with Xavion, and now apparently the relationship is better. So I'm personally upset because I thought Brian Flores was the safest of them, and their reasoning was kind of stupid. Whereas, like, you know, he's below 500. Well, he was what was it? Uh, nine game? No, not nine. I can't even think. Uh, yeah. Uh, nine games below 500, uh, six games, excuse me, and it's kind of like, okay, they've lost 11 games because your team was super bad, but he somehow won five and actually made them competitive in a lot of the games they lost. So, he, and he's had winning records the next two years, and yet you're still firing? Hmm? What's going on, man? Um, I think it's just a terrible move for Miami. I think they're actually going to move back unless they pick up a really good coach, in my opinion. Um, I thought you had something in Brian, and Brian's going to be – I'm very confident he's going to get a head coaching job in this offseason, whether it's, you know, Chicago, uh, which a lot of people are speculating, uh, or a different organization will probably mention. But I think it's just a terrible move. This is the worst move of all the moves we've talked about so far. All right. Here, um, on the flip side, a move that it seemed inevitable it was going to happen, but a lot has transpired. So, first, the organization, New York Giants, uh, it's announced, I think, Monday, maybe Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, no, I'm done with Dave Gettleman news. That oh, was Monday, yeah. I think, first. Dave Gettleman's retiring from the New York Giants. Okay. It, it you know, it's kind of run its course there. Uh, and then the next day, yeah, Tuesday, it breaks that. Joe Judge is fired. I don't know why they waited an extra day. Maybe it, um, they were having discussions inside. Uh, it, it, that was such an interesting fit. Uh, unfortunately, you know, six and ten year one, four and thirteen, and then the New York Giants have the dubious stat of now having three straight coaches who have been fired after two seasons. You know, you had Ben McAdoo makes the playoffs year one, fired three fourths of the way through the next season. You have Pat Shermer, who actually just recently was let go in Denver. Um, where in his position that he was coaching, uh, he's he's gone two years, and you also have. I'm going to use arguably just because I don't like saying definitively, but it's arguably the worst roster in the entire NFL. O line is not very good. Daniel Jones, I think, is a decent quarterback, but he's a backup. He's not a franchise guy, in my opinion. Maybe he'll maybe he can turn into a franchise guy somewhere else. Um, but you have no GM in New York. So you can't even improve the roster right now because you don't have a person in charge of making the moves. You have a coach that could easily be fired in two more years if ownership doesn't like him. And I don't know. There's a lot of issues in New York. And it's a, it is a rebuild job, unlike anything I've seen in a while. Like I think Jacksonville, at least you have Trevor Lawrence to hold your hat on to. Uh, other jobs, just some super light. I don't see any upside to new unless you can get a coach who is and a GM who's a good rebuilder because that's what you're going to need is a rebuilding job. I mean, there was a stat I saw that several times that you take Kadarius Tony first round, you give Kenny Galladay all that money. Neither of them caught a touchdown this past year, and I get Daniel's injured. You play Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm. Um, it, it, I I'm I'm in C mode. At, Saquon's always hurt, unfortunately. That's the reality you have to live with there, is that he's hurt and he's your best player. So something has got to change. 
going for it. You need a complete roster overhaul. And, you know, I'm sorry if you're a Giants fan. It's going to be a really rough few years. Probably rougher than it's been the last few years. I could see them getting a little pick in the next year or two uh, with how bad this roster looks on paper. And this is before any offseason moves happen. Like, maybe they can make a lot of improvements this offseason. Who knows? I'll go Christian next. Your thoughts on the Joe Judge firing Dave Gettleman retiring too? Um, well, I also mentioned in the text uh, that we have that if Brian Flores is fired and Joe Judge keeps his job, then obviously something has gone wrong in the NFL because an organization is firing a good coach and a terrible organization is keeping a terrible coach for whatever reason. This offense is god-awful. This defense is a little better, but still not good at all. I do not – I think this is one of the worst run teams in the league. I don't think it has one of the worst rosters because I think, you know, Logan Ryan, Adoree Jackson, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Leonard Williams, Kenny Galladay, good players. It's just nothing went right. They did a quarterback sneak on third and 11 at their own four. What the hell are you doing? Just what the hell? I, I thought it was a joke when I saw that someone tweeted that. I'm like, sure, that's not real. Then I saw the video, and I'm like, okay. He's, he, I think he knew his job. By the way, way, they did not convert the third down. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if people actually understood that. At third and 11 at their own four, they did a quarterback sneak because – reasons they thought they could take Washington off guard are you kidding me um this is one of the worst teams in the NFL it's terribly run they have widely missed um their just head coaching hires uh head scratchers not tremendous coordinators uh and if they are a good coordinator they don't give them time to rebuild New York Football overall, Jets and Giants, is terrible. It has a terrible media where you lose a game by one point, everybody calls for your head, and more. Like, the grandmas, the moms of the reporters, will call for their heads just because that's how ruthless New York is. They need they need an overhaul, like you mentioned, Spencer. Like, they got to find a quarterback somewhere. I think they have to trade Saquon. Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, tremendous running backs. They're always hurt. Uh, Kenny Galladay, you got to keep him in Kadarius because that's a big cap hit you don't want to touch. Don't re-sign Ingram. Try and fix the offensive line because it's god-awful besides Andrew Thomas. Um, Defense is probably the best thing going for them, but it's still not going to be good. This is going to be a tough job. And... Like, I can already say it now, and I'm sorry, Dalton, that you picked them and you thought they were going to be the NFC East champions. Um, I I think they're going to hold last place very well next year Um, because this team is just heading – It's if it heads forward, it's not going to be a big leap. I don't think so. So just God bless New York. That's that's all I'm going to say. All right, Dolan, your thoughts on the New York Giants moving on from Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman? Uh, it's not surprising. 
I know I made a fool out of myself picking the Giants to win the NFC East this year. But, you know, I thought that they would make some improvement. Obviously, I was wrong. I own up to that. We've um, all whipped on stuff in the past. It's not like – it's just funny to hear you're the moment. All on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I think, you know, if they can – they can just hire the right guy. It seems to me like they haven't been hiring the right guys at all. Haven't been bothering to, you know, actually get this franchise back afloat. Um, you know, if they can do that, they might have a chance to make some improvement. Obviously, from from this past this past season, um, while the you know, the improvement might not be much, it could be something. It could be something, and um, oh, it's a good thing I'm not a Giants fan. I would have blown my top by now. Um, that would have been not a pretty sight. But you know, I think uh, the Giants could just get their heads on straight. Maybe they have a shot. <laughs> making the playoffs or even the division or even a wild card you know you don't even have to win the division nowadays so yeah yeah i'm not gonna go any further into that dumpster fire but uh yeah that's about it for me all right another one there was one more coaching hire luckily we record today because we recorded earlier in the week um we would not have discussed this because this move happened earlier today that we're recording january 13th uh david coley Mm -hmm. Fired one year into Houston Texans head coaching career. Uh, for I get I, I have to like if I get if I wanted to I check the notes, listen back to the recordings from last year when this hire was uh, made. I don't think I was the biggest fan of this hire. I can't recall though. Uh, he's in his sixties, uh, first time head coach. But <coughs> I I'm not necessarily upset that he was fired. I don't know why you waited until today. Like this could have been done a few days ago, unless. My only thing is, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, Brian Flores was fired by Miami, and I think that might have sped up their decision to fire Dave, David Cole after only one year. There were some reports I saw where it seemed like they hired him last year knowing <clears throat> excuse me, that he was only going to be there one or two years at most in Houston. Um, they didn't really do many favors with the roster they gave him. Um, kind of like New York, but New York I think was had a lot of other issues. He won four games. And you also potentially, I say potentially because it's very early, this quarterback's very raw, but Davis Mills was a very good quarterback play. And, I, and part of it, I think, is because he was taken middle of the draft, so he didn't have the, these high expectations on him. Uh, they Their draft class last year was to play. They had no, their, their top pick was in the third round because they made some, um, some trades earlier and lost their picks. But they had, you took Davis Mills. Who ended up being very good for your team? I think him and Coley potentially had something special brewing there. Coley was previously in Baltimore, was the assistant head coach, rugby receivers coach, passing game coordinator with Lamar Jackson. Now I don't know Mills is as mobile as Lamar, but you can see Lamar's passing improve under David Coley. And to me, just one year, I'm not. I guess I'm not a fan of the firing one year into the head coaching tenure. You need more time to see it. Bet their GM is Nick Casario. They are have Jack Easterby in the front office. Two guys with New England ties. Brian Flores was in New England too. They were all there at the same time. 
That's why I think Flores is the best fit for the shot. That's the only coach. That's the only opening right now that I will give a definitive prediction on right now. And I think that if Flores wants it because of his relationships with Easterby, I think Flores is the guy in Houston. But back to Coley, sucks for him. Cause I think because of his age, I don't see him getting another head coaching job. I hope he gets an OC job or some assistant coaching job. Uh, OC is just retired right now at 66. He's like, hey, I've become a head coach in the NFL. That's all I want to do. I'm done with coaching. But I think he's got some potential. Because um, we saw he made Davis Mills into potentially the franchise quarterback there um, in Houston. I'll go with Christian next. Your takeaways on the David Coley firing that was announced earlier today. I mean, they they really, Houston, they really set uh, Coley up to fail and then fired him. Like, that's just how it is. The, the Houston was the absolute dumpster fire uh, of the offseason because he didn't have first-round picks, because Bill O'Brien, who's now uh, – you know, a college coordinator at Alabama. Um, like, he made some bonehead decisions in the NFL, and it screwed Houston over uh, real bad. And they couldn't get a franchise player, a cornerstone player, like a wide receiver or offensive lineman or possibly a better quarterback. Um, and instead, they had to deal with, you know, kind of the scraps of the third, fourth round to uh, get uh, their first pick and try to fix this team however they could. Um, I think defensively, this team could definitely need help uh, in terms of, you know, they need a defensive-minded coach, and it could really make this team a lot better. I think their offense is fine. Um, I like their offensive line of Titus Howard, Justin Bridge, Justin McRae, uh, Lane Taylor, who's a former Packer. Um, the weapons, I think, definitely need to get upgraded. Brandon Cooks is probably it, uh, of being, you know, a viable number one receiver. Uh, Rex Burkhead doing the best he can in the running back room. It's very up and down. And then, yeah, Davis Mills has absolutely, uh, turned some heads. And it was like, okay, Davis could be something here. So, you know, Tyron Taylor, feel bad for him, man. I mean, he does well, gets hurt, has his backup come in, and it's like, holy crap, someone's very impressive. Of course, Justin Herbert was the last one after Tyrod's uh, lung was punctured uh, minutes before or, like, hours before a game. Um, but Coley, man, I mean, I feel bad for him. Like, I didn't know if he really kind of took this head coaching job seriously, but he was set up to fail, man. I mean, this is a terrible roster. It was terribly – uh, run. It's still kind of a dumpster fire with Deshaun Watson uh, issues, but uh, I, like, and yeah, Flores could absolutely be a great candidate, and it would definitely make this team more competitive. Um, it is going to be an interesting division to watch, especially with Jacksonville, what they do, and Indianapolis, what they do with Carson Wentz. We'll get to them later, but I mean, I feel bad for Culley, man. I really do, because I mean, he was set up to fail, and I kind of thought, yeah, he's going to get fired because Houston's going to do something, but just feel bad for him, man. Yeah, no. If they if they do get Flores, I think it is the right move, but it was a – I don't know if I would have made that in their, in their shoes. I think some – there has to be some burn there, but Dalton, your 
your takeaways from the news that David Culley is unfortunately a one and done in Houston. Uh, I didn't think it would happen. I thought that he made the most of the roster that they have. Uh, I thought that um, for the position that he was in, um, it definitely could have been a lot worse. Um, Davis Mills seems like kind of too early to tell, but it seems like he's got he's got somewhat of a future. And there's not not too many other pieces given to uh, given what you know they've gone through in the with the with the draft and what they've been through the past few years, but definitely thought that David Culley should have gotten another year at least so he can draft and pick guys out that he wants again and see if, you know, there's something that can be sparked there. But we move on. Uh, live and learn, but um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Who's the next head coach. Alrighty, on to that was a little bit long of a segment, but you know we had to get this. And again, when the coaching hires do take place, uh, I know last year we were still recording when the news that Robert Sala took the Jets head coaching job broke. So if when the head coaching hires break, we will be back on this podcast and give our thoughts on the hires. But now to our Week 18 recap, we'll start with what we normally start with our favorite team segment. Um, I'll just get out in front of this. All, all our favorite teams lost this past weekend, so feel free to take as much time or as little time as you want to discuss it. I'll, I'll just go first, get out of the way. We played the Dolphins, a team we opened the season with, New England. Uh, they beat us week one, and they beat us in week 18. Unfortunately, what was Brian Flores' last game? The score is 33-24 because there was a last-second touchdown when New England tried doing their own version of the, quote, Miami Miracle, where they tried to do a bunch of laterals. And unfortunately, Miami recovered the ball in the end zone because they started the drive on like their three or two because of a great punt by Miami's punter. Uh, you know, it, it sucks to lose Mac 20 of 30, 261, but hey, New England's in the playoffs. Uh, and well, hopefully something is better because the run game, it, it was decent. You know, Bolden scored a touchdown. Damian Harris had a touchdown. Uh, you know, Hunter Henry always was up reliable in the passing game, five or seven, 86 yards. Jacoby had a pretty good game, four for 70. But you, you came up short, and, you know, Xavier Howard's pick six early in the game. That, that to me, ended. it was like 14 nothing there. Miami got to as high as 17. New England did cut to three late. Uh, it just felt like that was close because it felt like Miami was going to run the clock down. They almost did. New England ball back, like I said, two seconds to go. Not much you could do there. Christian, I don't know how much he was um, – Discuss this game, but Packers, Lions, the floor is yours now. Uh, I mean, I called it. <laughs> like, I, I called it. I did um, too, actually. I, th- I thought the Lions would win too. I mean, shoot, I wish this would have uh, been a, like a game we get to choose because, like, I needed the points uh, to possibly tie with uh, Dalton uh, in the uh, in our little thing. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, like, I mean, I'm not shocked at all. Like, Detroit – they they wanted something like can we just beat Green Bay like it wasn't like can we please just do it, but I, I'm surprised that our guys played as long as much as they did. I didn't 
think they would. I thought I was like, okay, Jordan Love against Detroit. You do well, yay. You do bad, okay, don't care. Like, we're number one seed anyway. We had nothing to play for. So it's kind of like, do do your thing. Like, I, I really, I'm going to sit over here and, you know, just chill. And I was like watching them, like, they were scoring a lot. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And you guys are like, oh, Tom Kennedy may be the guy. And it's like, he had a 75-yard bomb. Awesome for him. So, I really don't care. Aaron played all right. Uh, he, you know, they were four sacks. So, I don't know if the offensive line just took a day, but it, it didn't play well. Hopefully, that doesn't happen um, next week when we play whoever. Uh, Did Bakhtiari play at all? I, I imagine he didn't play this past weekend. Who? Bakhtiari. Oh, no. He just got released off the IR uh, recently. And yeah, so we're back in the playoffs. So... put him in freaking Detroit. Heck no. Because <laughs> um, if he gets hurt again, dude, we're screwed offensive line-wise. But, um, I mean, I'm happy for Detroit. Like I said, I was going to be a Detroit Lion fan for one game. I was like, let's go Detroit. Get out of that number one seed. And which they did. They got out of the number one seed. Uh, not number one seed, number one pick, excuse me. And their offseason will start at number two. So we'll see how they do. Hopefully they do well and try to make that team the best they can. I'm really cheering for Dan Campbell. Um, you know, if they do good, I'm like, I'm going to be impressed because I was right on it. But – I don't want them to win a division. That's the only thing. They can get a playoff spot all day long. They can't win the division. Just saying. That, that's ours to own. But uh, I'm happy for Detroit. They won 37-30. Jared Goff did fine. Beat Green Bay finally. Jared Goff, congratulations. Um, so, yeah. All right. Dolan, and again, it was very exciting, at least from my perspective. I don't know. Probably not to you because you guys, unfortunately, took the loss there. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, Los Angeles Rams, Dahl, the floor is yours on that game. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well. Okay, hold on. First thing I give you props. You did call it last week. You did say 49ers win. Christian and I said the Rams. So, I'll give you your due diligence there. Appreciate that. Yeah, like Spence mentioned, I called it. Uh, I did not think – that they were going to be able to pull this one out. Early on, it looked like looked like maybe something had changed, but unfortunately, I got let down again. Um, so, 49ers went into SoFi. Um, we're down 17 to nothing um, in the second quarter. Uh, 49ers were able to go down, make it 17-3 to at halftime. Oh, my gosh. I really don't want to talk about the second half. The second half was... The second half was me yelling at my TV screen. That's what it was. Uh, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a hangover that you remember completely. Um, gosh. Well, defense decided not to play football. Um, they let Debo Samuel run all over the field. Um, they got beat in the trenches, beat in the middle linebacker spot, beat in the secondary. They got beat everywhere. 
The offensive line, on the other hand, couldn't do anything. They couldn't block. Uh, a little bit of a hyperbole, but I think that all three of us would have done a better job interior-wise blocking. Um, and we're not even close to how much offensive linemen weigh. Uh, God. Jiminy Christmas. So, 49ers find a way to tie it up late in the game. And at this point, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, oh, wow, here we go. It's going to happen again. We're going to find a way to lose it, like we always do. And uh, surprisingly, surprisingly, the Rams' offense was able to go down and score a touchdown late in the ball game, 24-17. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. Um, at this point, you know, both my parents are in there with me. As you can tell, I'm absolutely frustrated. Uh, you know, just, I can't, I can't watch. I can't do very much. There's like, oh, maybe like two minutes left. Maybe a little bit under two minutes. Like, okay. Okay, we got the ball. We got the game in hand. Okay, we all we have to do is get a stop. Four downs. That's all we need. All we need is four downs. And boy, was I let down so hard. Um, 49ers were able to go right down the field without any timeouts. No two-minute warning. Excuse me. One timeout. No two-minute warning. Oh, my gosh. And around the midfield mark, we forced... Uh, their first two downs were incompletions or runs stopped. Uh, and it was like third down or fourth. I don't remember that one exactly, which I probably should. Because here's how it went. Um, it was a Jimmy G pass uh, right to Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo almost ran like an up. And <laughs> Jimmy threw the ball and I was like, okay. We got it until I realized that the defense was just out of place. Some Jimmy G ran that thing all the way down to about the red zone. At this point, the clock's ticking. Like they have to, they have to um, spike it to stop the clock. So they get down there, they spike the clock. But here's the thing, God, the Rams players did not run all the way down the field fast enough. I never thought I would see the day in which it would be a literal race. A race. Like a sprint. And Leonard Floyd was offsides when Jimmy hiked the ball. So now that's another five yards that they are closer to scoring. Oh my god. First down and ten. And Jimmy throws it out of bounds. Thinking, alright. Three more downs. We can do it. Second down. They're playing soft. Soft coverage, which I never understand. Um, and they find Jennings, one of their wide receivers, wide open, right before the goal line, and he walked right in, essentially. I was like, oh, man, great. So now we're going to go to overtime. Well, to be honest with you, I thought that they were going to go for two. I'm surprised they didn't. They should have just ended my pain right there. Um, but they did. They decided to go into OT. <laughs> And I'll be darned if they won the dang coin toss, man. <laughs> Getting overtime. And they lose the... 
Oh, the Rams lose the coin toss. So now they have to play defense first, which at this point, you can make the argument that both the offense and the defense were both liabilities, but the defense was even more of a liability because they blew a 17-3 lead. <laughs> I'll be darned. Seattle goes right down the field, kicks a field goal. I'm like, all right, if we just score a touchdown here, that's it. I mean, ball game. Well, we didn't. Threw a pick, and the game was over. And uh, I was mad for the rest of the night. I was not happy. But you guys ended up winning the division, though, because the Cardinals lost. I don't care about divisions at this point. I really don't. (laughs) I really don't. Like, Cardinals could have had the division for all for all I cared. Like that. I just wanted to beat the 49ers. <laughs> so not great. Not great. Uh at least Matthew Stafford didn't throw a pick six this time. Uh but he did throw it to the other team twice. And he had three passing touchdowns opposite of that. Cam Akers came back, but he wasn't much of a much of a uh uh, what do you call that? Factor in the run game as he was the past game. Sony Michelle wasn't able to run the ball very effectively. Just got dominated on offense and defense. It was a slaughter. Not fun. Uh, the game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. But, you know, I guess you live another day. And, uh,. That's now six straight for the 49ers. Give them credit. They tend to play their best ball against us. That's great. That's fantastic. They can crap the bet against everybody else. Oh, but when it's Rams week, they play their best ball. You guys Gotta are single-handedly responsible for Kyle Shanahan still having a job in the NFL right now. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know yeah, about that either. It's, a little, like, it's a little long. Yeah. That's a little bit much. Kyle Shanahan yeah, probably would have still had the still had the job after after this season if they would have missed the playoffs. Um, yeah, unfortunate for me, not great, but oh well. What are you gonna do? All right. Next up, we have our our best game segment, but we have a little caveat because of how important and how close Sunday Night Football was. We're all gonna pick another game for best game, and then after we all three give our picks for best game. We're going to come back and recap Sunday Night Football between the Chargers and the Raiders. So that was a very good game if you missed it, unfortunately. I'm, I'm sorry for you there. But uh, for me, best game, I'm just going to go now because I, I have the same as what Dawn just recapped. 49ers-Rams. I was flipping back and forth. They tried to split street it with two TVs because uh, they were playing the same as the Patriots. and actually had both games on TV on two different channels. So I could flip back and forth. Um, so just seeing the 49ers-Rams because, you know, Rams needed a win or a Cardinals loss, which they got the Cardinals loss to get the division. San Francisco need to win to make the playoffs. And Jimmy played I – mean, he had two interceptions, but he played pretty well with 316 passing yards uh, and a touchdown. Debo, huge X factor. He had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and did he have a receive? He did not have a receiving touchdown, but he had 95 yards through the air. Um, basically, what can't Debo Samuel do? Uh Jawan Jennings, two touchdowns through the air. Debo is going to be a factor for that division. Dalton, I don't know. You can stop him this week. Good luck stopping him going forward in the future because he is – I mean, you see what Cordero Patterson does for Atlanta mm-hmm. and what he's done throughout his career, whether it was Chicago, New England. 
Debo Samuel is a better version of what we see with Cordero Patterson. He's only in his second year in the league. He's going to be electric to watch going forward. Uh, but yeah, that game had everything you know. Playoff implications on the line. Went to overtime. And San Francisco's able to get rookie Ambry Thomas intercepting Jared Goff. Or not Jared Goff. Wow. I, I don't know why I said that. And I know it's an insult to Stafford. But he intercepts Stafford. I mean, he, in over- I mean he's just a little bit taller than Jared. Just a little That's bit. I mean, there's a there's a trade this offseason that I just completely wiped from my memory, you know, men in black style. Um, but yeah, Ambry Thomas, rookie corner had the clutch interception overtime to seal San Francisco's playoff fate. And we'll put a view all those playoff games later on. But that was my game of the week was San Francisco and Los Angeles. Christian, what was your game of the week? So this is going to be a little different game of the week. Uh, but I chose Saturday's game between Kansas City and Denver. Um, this was a definite interesting game. It came down to uh, close to five minutes left. In regulation, Denver play their butts off, man. I mean, you know, sad that Vic Vangio, you know, they lost and he also lost his job. But I mean, Kansas City was just not the best. Um, I mean, Mahomes threw the ball 44 times for 270, which Mm -hmm. was great. But I mean, they couldn't get anything on the ground going. I mean, when your leading rusher is Patrick Mahomes. You couldn't run jack squat against Denver's defense. And that's why I think Denver's defense is very good, and I think it could get uh, – it could be a lot better, you know, the team overall, if they get an offensive guy to run Denver. But, I mean, their defense just absolutely stopped Kansas City for the most part in the first half. Uh, in the second half, it was kind of back and forth. But, I mean, the final uh, – the final play to really get it was um, uh, the stumbling defensive tackle Bolton. His fumble returns for, I believe it was like 60-some yards, which was absolutely huge. Uh, it was 86, excuse me. So that fumble, it really turned the tide for Denver uh, with seven minutes left to go in the game. It was like, okay, this is, this is definitely Kansas City's game. And, I mean, if Denver won that game, I mean, Tennessee would have the number one seed. I think it was like a 99%. I think one other team could have had a shot if um, if Kansas City lost the game. But it, it was very impressive for Denver. And it really kind of kept trying to see, like, Kansas City is about to lose to Denver, who's just a little dumpster fire in that division. So it, it's absolutely huge for uh, – Kansas City to win that game, and I thought it was a really good game and the game of the week for me. All right, Dalton, your game of the week. Um, man, you guys picked all the good games. I'm gonna have to go with uh Pittsburgh and Baltimore, right down the wire or right down to the wire. Uh, divisional matchup. Uh, it's overtime. You can't say anything about. So you can't say anything more about it. Uh, Big Ben final tour, and uh, they did what they needed to do to to win the ball game. Alrighty. Uh, so like I said, we were because I knew this would be probably someone's game of the week, and I what I didn't want the stolen for, for to be quite for honest you. with you. 
But also, with the impact of this game deserved its own segment on the show for all three of us to give our thoughts on the game. Because I knew all of us were going to be ticked off that someone picked a different game. So I looked out for all of us. A little selfish on my part, but I also think all of us. Because there was this, this weird scenario that played out. Jacksonville had to beat Indianapolis, which we all picked Indianapolis last week. Boy, were we wrong. Division games... I hate division games. Throw the records out of the books. Nothing matters. And I should have known because that's all that's that. Indianapolis has not won in Jacksonville since 2014. It's like New England going down to Miami. New England's won once in like 10 years down there. It's something ridiculous. Every single year, Indianapolis plays in Jacksonville and they haven't won there. I don't know why I thought this would be any different. Trevor Lawrence actually looks like a good quarterback in the future there. Um, we haven't seen that since his Clemson days. He actually had multiple touchdown passes this week. Carson Wentz ended up not being the quarterback you thought you were getting. He has a cost interception at one point in the game. Taylor, 77 yards only on 15 carries this week. I'm sure it's a 5.1 average, but it's a little lower than you expect. And so that happens. Pittsburgh, you win in overtime against your rival, the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore, no longer in the playoffs. So this scenario is in play here. Pittsburgh's in the playoffs. Unless this Sunday night football game between the Chargers and the Raiders ends in a tie. And by God, we almost got a tie. I, I don't know about you guys. I was fully rooting for the tie just because we all know Steelers fans. And it would have been hilarious for Steelers fans to have to be like, we almost went to the playoffs with a damn tie because we tied to the Lions. And then these two coaches conspire to tie on Sunday night football in order to A, have both to make the playoffs and B, kick Pittsburgh out. We almost got that. Uh, such a wild fourth quarter. You know, Vegas builds up a huge lead. And you think, okay, this game could be over. Then, you know, Herbert not going away. Last drive of regulation, Herbert could not hit a receiver. He threw the ball 64 times. Completed 34 of them. So, uh, above 500 on the passing, but he threw the ball 64 times. A lot of them coming on that last drive in the fourth quarter. They ran 19 plays in about two minutes of game time. All of them were uh, passes, by the way. Well, yeah, you had to. So, yeah, all of them were passing plays, uh, which because he was all mostly incomplete, the clock stopped. The game appeared over at one point. It was fourth down, incomplete pass, but there was a penalty on the Raiders that ended up granting them a first down to the Chargers. So, they're going on the field. Three, first three downs, cannot get anything going. Fourth down comes around, and somehow they find an opening, and they get a, they get a first down. Clock's still ticking. It comes down to the end of regulation where it's do or die. You have to get a touchdown here, or you're not making the playoffs. And he, let me get this right. He finds Mike Williams in the end zone on a wild play. And Christian joked, I know, if it was Jim Harbaugh, he's going for two right there to end the game and say, screw it. They go for the extra point. You get to overtime. Uh, Carlson makes a field goal. Hopkins makes a field goal. So it's tied four and a half minutes to go. And if there's a tie, both teams are in the playoffs. It appears that the Raiders are, you know, playing a little bit conservatively. They're close enough to where they can just run a few plays, get into field goal range. And then the play that everyone has up in arms, and I actually to be completely Quite honest with you guys, I completely missed it live because I was talking to my cousin. Uh, I was on the phone with him talking about how wild this game was. 
I completely missed that Brandon Staley had called timeout at one point, which that explains the confusion a little bit. We had a little confusion in our text thread on my part. I didn't realize Staley was the one who called timeout there. Um, they run a play. Jacobs just had a great overtime period, to be quite honest with you. Gets enough yards to get in the field goal range. Uh, Carlson kicks it. And, you know, post game, you know, Basicia, uh is saying, hey, that, yeah, that changed our mindset. There was a video that appeared to have someone telling Austin Eckler, like, hey, we were going to kneel this ball down. Herbert's caught on. You can read his lips. I've never wanted to tie any, like, more than anything right here. Uh, Carlson, unfortunately, makes the field goal. He ends the Chargers season, keeps Pittsburgh season alive. Um, anything else I missed in that wild game? Anyone, anybody, you can chime in there. I mean, I think you got it, man. Yeah, you got it, but like, we'll have our beefs, but it's, it, it was an incredible game. It was absolutely probably the game of the year. Um, it, this was probably closest to, the shootout in Mexico City between L.A. and Kansas City. Oh, well, no, it should have been Mexico City. They moved into L.A. Oh, that's right. It, it was the battle. It was should have been the battle of Mexico City, and then it was in L.A. That's right. I, I thought it was just in Mexico City, but I mean, kind of like my take on it. Yeah, go ahead, man. Brandon Staley, he is like okay. I understand people need to be aggressive. I understand John Harbaugh's aggressiveness. I understand Brandon's aggressiveness. I think the Raiders knew, okay, we, we're going to probably upset a lot of fans of, you know, possibly the Chargers, if there are any Chargers fans, and fans of the NFL, because this is a great Sunday night football game. These two teams are on the verge of the playoffs. We're, we are going to run out the clock and just, like, kneel it and both teams in an attack. This was the biggest worry of every single sports caster on ESPN, Fox Sports, and other uh, sports radio. They're like, oh, my gosh, the Raiders and Chargers are going to have it in, and they're going to kneel the entire time and punt it. That's all they're going to do. No, they actually played a daggum good football game. Las Vegas gets a huge lead. Justin Herbert comes back. Justin Herbert is seriously a younger version of Aaron Rodgers because he is making everything happen when every other pass was dropped. It was dropped. Not incomplete. It was just dropped. Why? It it could be wide open. It could seriously hit him in the hands, and he just can't catch it. I was so upset for Justin because I'm like, Come on, we're right there, and you're screwing us. And he's making good throws. And Justin Herbert, man, I mean, if that game doesn't tell you he's definitely in the in conversation of the one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, then I don't know what will. He's ma- he made a tremendous throws, very accurate. His receivers just need to catch, and he'd be fine. I mean, in crucial <laughs> situations, you cannot – Drop the football here. Like, you cannot, and they still come up short sometimes. Uh, of course, Dalton and Spencer uh, definitely, you know, a little dig into me when I started watching the game because I, I saw the Raiders were blowing them out. I'm like, I don't need to watch this. And then Chargers are in the final drive, and this offensive line was super tired, 
And the Las Vegas looked like they were just brand fresh out of the microwave, and they were just handling their business. Max Crosby, he's another guy that's like, okay, he's probably one of the best defensive ends in the entire NFL. And their Raiders, the front seven, did anything they wanted against this offensive line. They couldn't stop it. Um, and, of course, they dig at me saying, oh, they just need to be better. Okay. Uh, and it was a, you know, I never really thought of fatigue as a big thing uh, watching it later on in the game. But um, it's uh, – it was an absolute great game. And, um, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely probably one of the best uh, games of the year and the last several years to be quite I honest. I mean, yeah, because it had – the height expectations, like this was a true win in your end, de facto playoff game. And it lived up to every single height you could get. And it came down to the last play. And I think, I think the tie factor made this game a lot more intriguing than it probably would be because you didn't have, that's a stupid rule. I think the tie should go away in the NFL completely. Let's argue for another day. But because that factor existed, that made this a lot more intriguing. Now, okay, Dalton, Christian, have I talked long enough? The floor is yours. Your takeaways from the Chargers and the Raiders game, Sunday Night Football. Um, all I got to say is you play to win the game. That's um, what I was hoping for. I get it. Both of them were trying to make the playoffs, but I think, yeah, I think you play to win the game, and Raiders, Raiders did a better job of that. That's kudos to the Chargers for having a good season, but um, – yeah, that's what I got to say to it. You play to win the game. All right. Next up, we have our uh, biggest surprise of the week. And I kind of alluded to it a little bit. Uh, the Colts losing and missing the playoffs. It was such a weird thing. Colts, you know, you win and you're in. And that, unfortunately, you lost the game. And... It was to a team you should have probably beat in Jacksonville. That, that's my biggest surprise. Uh, Dalton had to go. Um, for, for Christian and I will finish the show off, just the two of us. So, Christian, your biggest surprise from this past week of football? I mean, I could say the exact same thing with the Colts. Um, it was just kind of, you know, embarrassing what happened this year. Uh, 96% uh, at the beginning of Week 17, and yet they still came up short which is just mind-boggling to me. But if I have to pick something different, like what was the big, the biggest surprise? Um, Daggum, man. I would say probably the biggest surprise of the entire week. Um, I mean, it's just a lot of the playoff teams lost. I mean, here are the teams that are in the playoffs that did not play a team in the playoffs and they still lost. Uh, the Bengals, you can understand that because they – they rested a lot of their players. Green Bay, similar. Um, Colts, obviously, losing to Jacksonville, embarrassingly. Um, you know, the Texans and the Titans were in a very close battle against Houston. That came down to the wire. Uh, the Rams, you know, they were in, and they could, they could have kept San Fran out. They fell there. Uh, New England, sorry, Spencer, but your boys lost by nine to Miami. Yeah, it was a tough uh, game, man. I hate it. Yeah, Cardinals losing to Seattle, and I mean it, it's just like I'm like I'm shocked that none of a lot of these teams wanted to gain momentum going into the playoffs. 
um, especially those who have to play next week against a lot better teams. And it hurts, like, seeding and positioning and stuff. But, I mean, I feel good because, you know, Green Bay, we're number one seed. We got home field advantage. So we'll be a little bit better off. But I think that was much of a surprise is not a lot of the teams uh, really cared uh, once they got into Week 18. Yeah, I'd I, I see it. Like you have, If you have nothing to play for, like Green Bay, like we both said earlier, it's simple game the Lions will win because Green Bay, we all knew Rodgers was not playing all four quarters of this game. Neither were like Dante Adams or other starters, so that was predictable. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, nothing to play for. Technically, the one series on the line if you wanted to, but I think after Kansas City, it wasn't anymore. Eagle is obviously resting hurts, like you said. Uh, so, yeah, that's unfortunate. Our last time this year, we will do overrated and underrated. Uh, Chris, I'll let you go first here. Who is your overrated and underrated player, team, et cetera? Finishes off, man. Uh, overrated? I mean, it's it's Sean McVay's confidence. I like, And again, Sean McVay, and it would have been better if uh, Dalton didn't have to leave uh, you know, abruptly. But um, – Sean McVay, man, I mean, after he went up 17-0, uh, McVay runs over to the sideline and celebrates with his team. And honestly, if I was a San Francisco 49er, that would absolutely make me upset where it's like, oh, you think, like, you're going to celebrate with your team early because we're down early? Okay, we'll show you. And since then, they were outscored 27-7. to And I get it. You can celebrate your team, and you think it can be great. But holy crap, Sean, read the room. You probably shouldn't have done that. Um, He has got to stay focused. And if he wants to showboat and do stuff uh, Monday night when they play the Cardinals, then I'm just kind of done with him in terms of, you know, he's a great coach and he actually knows what he's doing. Uh, Like, obviously he knows what he's doing, but, like, you're celebrating a little too early, and Karma, I mean, I know her, and she has a sick twist, you know, she has a twist and sense of humor where she is going to absolutely rip the crap out of you unexpectedly and possibly uh, get your butt whooped uh, in the future and then absolutely embarrass you. So I think Sean McVay is just overrated in the sense of you got to keep a cool face, 17-0. I mean, the second they score a touchdown, what I was always taught, okay, it's 0-0 again. Like, oh, we got in the end zone, 0-0. Like, let's make sure they don't score and keep on a straight face. Uh, You know, underrated, I I think it's Detroit, man. I've always been big on Detroit. I love Dan Campbell's energy. I love how he actually gives a crap about every single person on that team. Uh, I don't think a lot of head coaches nowadays in the NFL do. I think they care about more about their reputation if they win and lose. Dan actually gives a crap about his guys. Um, you know, he's honest. He's a very open guy. Uh, he's never been a coordinator, but he knows how to coach. And I absolutely love Dan Campbell. And I think their offseason is going to be tremendous. It's um, gonna be one. It's gonna be so fun to watch Detroit's offseason. Definitely, and I and I want to cheer for him honestly because again, it's, it's like one of those teams where it's like. I, I've, like, if I have this one person that I really like, Dan Campbell is my favorite daggum coach. If Dan Campbell can be, like, the motivational guy for Green Bay, I'm good, and I'm fine. Like, Dan Campbell, I really want him to succeed. I think Detroit understands that. 
Detroit has a second overall pick in this year, and for a good reason, they're god-awful. But a lot of teams are like, oh, we'll fire our coach, this and that. Detroit knows they got the daggum coach, and they got the leadership, but they just need to get the players, and I think that's what they can do because they have a bunch of cap. They have a bunch of needs that they can get. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see because they can go seriously anything. They need a better quarterback. They need, um, I think, a better uh, you know, number one or really good number two in the draft. Definitely get some help on the offensive line a little bit. Defensive line, a true great pass rusher is probably going to be the need for Detroit. But it's going to be a great offseason in Detroit, I feel like. Um, I would definitely be optimistic for Detroit. I think it's underrated that Detroit could possibly be a dark horse if they play their pieces right. Yeah, yeah. like you said, he's such a fun coach to watch on the sidelines and hear his press conferences. That it unfortunately it sucks he's not in the playoffs because I want to see Dan on the sidelines like we did last year, like in New Orleans. I don't know much of him on the sidelines in New Orleans, but he was there. Uh, so I I hope they make the playoffs next year because Dan Campbell in the playoffs, his guys will get up and they have that chip on their shoulder. Like you said, play the cards right. Next offseason, they can use underdog mentality and they might surprise people. And again, say what you want about Jared Goff. He could be that guy next year, potentially. Wait and see here. They uh, they need a lot better. They need, they need a lot of help. And I think golf could be that. And, again, this is a little bit more than I want to get into today. But golf could be that bridge quarterback for next year. Maybe you get a guy in the draft. Maybe you wait until the following year when you have CJ and uh, Bryce Young coming out and draft one of those guys. It's, again, the future is – you have endless possibilities there. But, you know, you have Brad Holmes at GM. They hired away from L.A. last year. You have Dan Campbell. They got a bright future. For me, overrated, underrated, like I said in my biggest surprise, overrated is the Colts. And I, I said this in a text to a couple of friends of mine. And then Rich Eisen actually said the same thing. Um, let me pull up exactly what he said. In the span of two weeks, the Colts went from the team that nobody wanted to see in the playoffs because, you know, Jonathan Taylor and the guys, they were rolling. It seemed like they were a lock for that five seed. Whoever that four seed is, it, you wanted to basically avoid that because – you think that, hey, you know, Indianapolis, they have a good running game. Wins can do enough. They can get the win in the playoffs. They went from a team that wanted to see in the playoffs, and then two weeks later, nobody's going to see them in the playoffs. So I guess technically everybody got the wish. They didn't want to see the Colts in the playoffs. They missed the playoffs outright. Something has to change. I like Carson to a degree. I bash him from time to time. I think everyone does. Something has to happen this offseason. They got to improve because you cannot have a collapse like you did and take put up only 11 points on the Jacksonville Jaguars and that atrocious defense. Buffalo put six up on them, I think. Was it 9-3 or 9-6? Something awful. Yeah, it Buffalo, was 9-6, uh, and uh, I think it was in Jacksonville, too. Yeah, Buffalo had a bad game, and Buffalo's in the playoffs this year. And then underrated has to be the Raiders. You know, everything they've been through, we ad nauseum have put out. And another thing, Rich Eisen, again, I, I had to bookmark these tweets because I wanted to read them on the air. Um, let me find this one. It was something that Rich Bisaccia is the first ever interim head coach to make the playoffs in the NFL, which is wild to say. But also, I think in the grand scheme of things, if your team is rolling, you're not firing your coach midseason. And we put it on the past in other sports. Hockey, you know, three straight years, if I'm not mistaken, has had an interim coach in the Stanley Cup final. Obviously, 2019, the Blues won it all. 
with the interim head coach. Last year, the Hawks fired uh, Lloyd Pierce in midseason. Damian Millen takes over on the interim basis, leads the Hawks to the conference finals. Will the Raiders have a similar fate to those teams? Wait and see. It's definitely possible okay, if you beat Cincinnati this upcoming weekend. Uh, they're able to play their cards, but they could be in a few, they could make a bright future. Basaccio is coaching for that job. I don't know if he'll get the job on a full time basis because you don't want to fall in that trap of the interim coach is doing really well. Let's make it a full time coach. Then a year later, you regret that decision. But he's making their job a little difficult there uh, for Mark Davis or Al Davis. No, Mark Davis. Al Davis is his father. Yeah, Mark is uh, the son. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Davis is going to have a very interesting job this offseason uh, in terms of the head coaching hire. But that's my overrated and underrated segment of the week. All right, now the moment everyone's been waiting for our wild card preview. Just like last year, we had six wild card games, six games to talk about. It's going to be a very exciting wild card weekend. Like I said earlier, Dawn unfortunately had to step aside for the rest of the show. He did send me his picks, so I will read his picks after Christian and I give our thoughts on each game. We'll go chronological order from Saturday to Monday, the, the first time ever, a Monday night playoff game. Um and then going forward next week, we will recap every single game and then preview every single game because uh, it's the playoffs. We don't want to miss anything. It's going to be very exciting. And we'll begin where the first game sticking with the Raiders. Raiders taking on the Bengals, Cincinnati, Ohio, a game that I was desperately hoping that New England would get because if I, I'll also schedule work anyway on Saturday night. I'll have the game on the background. So I couldn't have made the game anyway, but I was hoping it would be Patriots, Bengals. And I could maybe go up to the game. But that's a little aside in my personal life that no one cares about. <laughs> it's a very – it's an important game. I've heard the stat several times a week. Christian, you may have too, where nobody has sent a text message with a Bengals playoff victory because the first text message was sent in 1992. Bengals' last playoff point was 1991. I heard that on a wow. Sports Talk radio show earlier this week. Uh it has a wild stat that's been that long. I mean, obviously, you think about Marvin Lewis. Bengals were in the playoffs every single year. They could not get that win. Um, for me, I think this is going to be the Bengals' first ever playoff win in the era of text messaging. I think that, you know, Burrow and uh, Chase, they're, you know, they're playing at home. They got the rest last week. Raiders had to exhaust literally every single second of the game last week. And I don't think that necessarily could be a downfall. I think oh, the Ve- Oh, I almost said Oakland like you always do, Christian. Yep. Las Vegas. I, I think Las Vegas can come out. And I think Carr's a good quarterback. I think he's underrated to some degree. So people like to hate on him. I think it will be a back and forth game. Yeah, I think Jamar Chase is the X factor. And on the flip side, Jacobs is the X factor for the Raiders. If Jacobs has a great game on the ground, sets up play action for the for Derek Carr and company and Renfro can, you know, make some great catches and whatnot. I think the Raiders can win this game, but I'm going with the Bengals simply for the fact that you're playing at home. You have a young coach, young quarterback who can air it out deep and, you know, test that secondary. Cause I don't think Jamar chase is going to drop passes. Like, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen and others were doing this past week. Also CJ Uzuma, I think is a very underrated tight end. I know I mentioned him at least some point in the season. I think he's very good. And I think he'll have a, a fantastic day in the passing game. Christian, how do you see Bengals and Raiders going down? Uh, to me, this is going to be probably one of the better games of wildcard weekend. Um, I mean, I've had to think about this one for a while just because 
how uh, I almost said Oakland, Dagum, how Las <laughs> Vegas uh, has been playing the last uh, several weeks. A lot of the plays have been a lot of um, a lot of the wins have been very close last second, like it has been, like it was last week, and how it's been this last four game win streak for Las Vegas. Um, I mean Raiders, and by the way, I saw this. I saw this when I was looking at the playoff, uh, the playoff picture. So of all the teams with, um, yeah, there it is. With all the teams that are in the playoffs right now, do you know that Las Vegas is the only team in the playoffs this year with a negative point differential? I'm not surprised by that statistic, but I did not know that. Oh, actually, I am wrong. I'm actually wrong myself. Pitt. Pitt and Las Vegas are the only two teams in the playoffs that have a negative point differential. And I could see it because Las Vegas, a lot of their losses are by a lot. Yeah, they got blown um, up I can't see twice, correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Chiefs, yeah, blew them out. 41-14, 48-9, yeah, that yeah. definitely is a factor. That's definitely a factor, but listen to these other losses. Two touchdowns to the Chargers the first time. Uh, they got whooped by the Bears. Um, let's see. Yeah, of course, both times against the Chiefs was bad. The first game against the Bengals, which happened uh, Sunday, November 21st, 32-13. Um, and then, of course, against the last loss Las Vegas has had, the Chiefs absolutely killed them by 39 points. And these games are really close. Browns by two. Broncos by four. Raider uh, against the Colts by three, and of course against the Chargers uh, last second field goal in overtime. So it's Daniel Carlson back to back weeks with clutch field goals. Yes, that is, that is shocking, but I do not think it's going to be a third time in a row. I think the Bengals do win this game. Um, to me, I think the Bengals have a better receiving core than the Chargers. Um, I think the quarterback is a just a tad bit better. Uh, compared to Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, they're both incredible for a draft class. Uh, two definitely two top 10 quarterbacks, you can argue, uh, top five and maybe argue best quarterback in the league. Joe Burrow, to me, uh, the one thing that I just question is the offensive line. Uh, we mentioned this earlier with the Bears, the B- the Bengals and the Bears, uh, you know, alphabetically, the two, the first two teams. They have terrible offensive lines, and it's really going to hurt their quarterbacks if they don't address it. Um, I think the Bengals do win this game, uh, but it's going to be incredibly tough because Max Crosby and, like, you know, him and Trey Henderson, two top defensive ends, but I trust Raiders' offensive line a little bit more than the Bengals. It's going to be a very tough task for Cincinnati to win this game. Luckily, it's at home. Luckily, a lot of their players are well-rested. Las Vegas, like you mentioned, final seconds of the game. They were on the field. It's going to be incredible to watch Saturday night, really Saturday afternoon. Um, I think the Bengals do win, but I think it's going to be extremely close because of Bengals O-line versus the Raiders D-line. So I did see a stat that five of the six games we are seeing in the playoffs this weekend are a rematch of the regular season games. So I think we should refer back to the regular season games. I have the Bengals Raiders box score pulled up. 
While the score is 32 to 13, this game was 16 to 13 with about five minutes to go. And then Jamar Chase had a touchdown uh, with 503 remaining in the game. Joe Mixon had a touchdown a couple minutes, like a minute and change later. So, since they scored a lot on the back. Yard wise, there was like nothing. Like, Joe had was not really good. Neither quarterback were really good. And offensively, it was just god awful. Yeah, no, but yeah, the Bengals had a lot of back end touchdowns. And a last second, a minute to go field goal by McPherson. So, yeah, the score is a lot worse than it, it probably was. I need to, I mean, if I want to, I can go back and watch the game film. But, you know, it was 3 3 after one quarter, 10 6 of the half, 13 to 6. So, both teams were competitive throughout the game, regardless of what the final score says. Yeah, sure, the Bengals blew out the Raiders is a factual statement. But, you know, looking a little more inside the numbers, that's the case there. Uh, Dawn, for the record, he said Raiders. So, we both said Bengals. Dawn's going Raiders. Oh, speaking of which, the regular season standings, I got to give Dawn his props. Unfortunately, he had to leave. Um, but Dawn ended up winning the regular season challenge. Uh, he went 5-1 and one this past week. Christian, me, we both went 1-5. and five, So, <laughs> Such a I, I went way too bold with my Falcons pick and my Eagles pick just because I thought you know division games. No, I, I the, I like I I I chose the Eagles to win because I thought oh Dallas against good competition uh, they're not going to be good. Yeah, Gardner Minshew star. If I would known that, I definitely would have changed it. But you know, oh well, all's well ends well. It's just for fun. We didn't put money on the line at least. Well, I mean, next year maybe next year we should put money on the line. It'd be a lot more uh, enticing. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I actually finished up 500, believe it or not. I went 45 and 46 this year because that extra game put me below 500 on the regular season. Um, back to the, um, the playoff matchups, Patriots, Bills, uh, division rivals, 6-3 matchup in the AFC. Both matchups were won by the road team in the regular season. New England, the infamous Monday night football game where it was, very windy, very cold. Mac Jones passed the ball three times. And, uh, you know, they got the win 14-10 in Buffalo. Then New England has lost three or four now, including 33-21 to Buffalo. Buffalo is playing really well right now. But, you know, it's the playoffs, anything can happen. While rookie quarterbacks tend to not be successful in the playoffs, great defenses do rise to the occasion. And I think New England defense is good enough you know, slow down Josh Allen. I think, you know, that, that second matchup when they were at home, it, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. And Bill Belichick, as a coach, I cannot pick against him. I've picked against him a few times. I was right on the Buffalo game this year, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, give me Belichick in the playoffs. I know Buffalo was in the wild card, or they were in the conference championship game a year ago. I know preseason, I picked Buffalo to make the Super Bowl. I actually said that preseason, believe it or not, despite my hatred towards Buffalo. So maybe I'm hedging a bet here. Maybe I'm just being homer because they're playing my favorite team. But, you know, I think the Patriots, they are talented enough, and the run game can get going again. Because I saw the temperatures must be really cold, like maybe like one degree at kickoff. It could, it could be a game that plays well in New England's favor. I think if we can run the ball well, like we did that first matchup in Buffalo, Mac just has to not turn the ball over. And I know it's easier said than done, but I'm right by Patriots this year in at least the first round, the wild card weekend of the playoffs. Christian, your Packers aren't playing, but you can at least make fun of my page if you want. So how do you see Patriots bills going down? Well, by the way, I wanted to look this up uh, because obviously you just mentioned it with the temperature. 
So the forecast for Saturday night's playoff game in Buffalo, four degrees with a real feel of around negative 10. So it's going to be chilly. This is going to be kind of the cold, the cold game instead of the wind game. Uh, Buffalo, New England played uh, earlier this year in week 13. So ESPN says via a vivid seed, so you get tickets for $30 for this game. Yeah, that is wild. Wants to be there. <laughs> and I think the ticket, if it was like decent temperature, it would be up like 350%. Like it, like the cheapest ticket would be around five, six, seven hundred dollars because yeah. it's New England and Buffalo. Like this is going to be a real slobber knocker. So uh, yeah, if you're in that area and you want to get tickets, you can get tickets for very cheap. You could, but you're going to freeze your butt off and look like Jack Nicholson at the end of uh, The Shining. Uh, oh, please. It's Buffalo fans. They're, they're used to the cold. Oh, I mean, come on. But and still, Bill's mom is going to be wild and, there. And you're going to be stuck to your daggum seat and be a, you know, be a fancical, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but this is going to be an incredible game, incredible defensive game, I believe. I do not think both quarterbacks are going to do tremendously well. Because, you know, when the football does get cold, it is very stiff. And the air gets kind of tight. And it's going, you know, the ball is going to be real hard for receivers to catch. And it's, I don't, like, like I blamed the Chargers receivers for dropping. If Buffalo or New England's receivers drop, I'm not going to blame it on them. I'm going to blame it. I'm not even going to blame it on anything. Like, it's, ten, it's negative 10 degrees or it feels like it it's going to be daggum awful for anybody to catch. So it's going to be a real running game. Now, I'm going to say these defensive ranks, and this is my pick to win the game. So the number one defense for points per game, the number one defense yards per game, the number one defense for yards per play, the number one team for first down per game, the amount of first downs, uh, team could get and first and third down percentage by the way nobody on this defense was named to go to the pro bowl this year not one so the team that has all these top you know first place uh in these five categories are the buffalo bills buffalo has a very underrated defense but they've been overly – they've overachieved a lot. Now, yes, Josh Allen is very inconsistent, very hot and cold. Against good teams, he kind of shines. Against bad teams, he really shows his weaknesses. Jacksonville is a perfect example. You throw multiple interceptions trying to do everything against Jacksonville and put on a show instead of win a football game. Him and Patrick Mahomes have that kind of – similarity where they have to show off their arm strength, their accuracy, so on and so forth, where it's screwing up with their team and really screwing up their chances of being MVP and in the conversation of best quarterback today. But Buffalo's defense and New England's defense are both very good. And like I mentioned the stats, Buffalo's defense is top tier. So is New England's. Bill Belichick? Real good defensive coach. Sean McDermott, I'm pretty sure he was a defensive coordinator uh, before. He knows how to coach defense. They have tremendous talent all over that field defensively. 
in offense, I trust Buffalo just a tad bit more. Mac Jones, he's a rookie. He hasn't been in this type of situation. Bill Belichick, since you probably heard this, Bill saying he has to start from scratch because obviously these teams know each other. But Mac Jones, this is a situation he has not been in. He hasn't been in a New England slash Buffalo, New York, you know, North uh, Northeast playoff game where it's cold. You've been in the, yeah, you were in a playoff game, but you were in a dome. You were in a dome when you were playing Miami last year. Yeah, you played in Miami. You you played you played in good daggum weather in January. This January, oh heck no, bro. You're, you're going in four degree weather. It's gonna feel like negative ten and possibly worse. So I think Mac is going to struggle in that sense. Um, obviously, the win game, he's he only threw the ball three times. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think Buffalo knows they're going to have to stop the run. Mac, you beat them in the air. That's what Buffalo is going to tell you. Beat us in the air. We'll be fine. We're, we're not going to make you run like you did against us last year, uh, again, week 13. So... I think it's going to be Buffalo, but it's going to be a very close, very good game. I know Trey White got injured. I'm surprised like Hyde or Poyer did not make the Pro Bowl. When you said that stab at them having no defensive Pro, pro Bowlers. And Ed Oliver has absolutely been because you know they have a really good defensive front. I'll give you that. Underwhelmed. He was uh, very underwhelming his rookie year, but he's come up as a nice defensive tackle for Buffalo right now. Yeah. Uh, Dawn, for the record, said Patriots. Again, d- n- we all discuss our picks. So, Dawn and I know we have picked the same so far. Um, next up, we have the Eagles and the Buccaneers game. Uh, that is going to be Sunday at 1 o'clock on Fox. Rematch of a regular season game where the Buccaneers won 28-22 in Philadelphia. Um you know, Tampa Bay jumps out to a quick – it's 7-7, quick 14-7 lead, 21-7 at the half. Uh, it's 28-7 at one point. Eagles did score – make it made – it, made, made, it scored a couple of touchdowns, one in the third, one in the fourth quarter, make it close. Um, although the leading receiver that day for Tampa Bay was Antonio Brown, who's no longer with, oh, with, uh, the, uh, <laughs> with the team. O.J. Howard had a great game. Uh, Gronk does not appear to have any stats for that game. He may have been injured that week. Yeah, he Fournette, was hurt early in the Yeah, year. Fournette had a pretty good game, two touches on the ground. Um, so, yeah, Brady beat Philadelphia. Of course, everyone's going to remember Philadelphia, Nick Foles in the playoffs. That was the last time Brady has faced the Eagles in the playoffs was that Super Bowl um, that he lost to them. But you know what? Doug Pearson no longer on that coaching staff, and Nick Foles no longer quarterback of that team. Hurts, I, I like Hurts a lot more than some people do. I know there's – should we get rid of Hurts? Should we keep him? I think he's done good enough. You can't make that change unless you can get a generational talent, like maybe a Wilson or a Rogers story for another day, though. Um, I just cannot see Tampa Bay losing in this game. You're finally playing a home playoff game uh, outside the Super Bowl last year in the NFC. You haven't played NFC home playoff games since I believe 2007. That was your last playoff appearance before last year. Um, so that probably stands to be right. Uh, I know that last year they had to go on the road all three rounds to make the playoffs. This is going to be nice because Brady hasn't played in Florida weather in a wild card weekend. He's used to the New England cold. Well, actually, he's more used to not playing wild card weekend 
But he's used to playing in New England in Foxborough. It's cold there. He's had some games in domes, you know, Indy. He's also played cold in Denver. I can go on and on with Brady and his playoff history. I know that like the back of my hand. But Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, you know, they kind of snuck into the playoffs on the end. I think we could see what we did last year with Washington. It's going to be closer than people think, more than likely. But I think Brady's and company's going to get like two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to make it a little out of reach for Jalen Hurts. And Nick Sirianni, which I will give Nick Sirianni credit for this. He is the only rookie head coach that made the playoffs this year. Uh, Nick Sirianni. So I got to give him at least props on that. He's done a tremendous job there. And the future is definitely bright. But unfortunately, I think they're one and done this year in the playoffs. Christian, how do you see this game going down? I mean, it's not going like it's not a shock to anybody. I got Tampa Bay winning this game. Uh Philadelphia, I mean, this was a rebuilding kind of team. Uh, we kind of predicted this when we were talking in preseason. Philly it will be a fine team, but it's got to rebuild. It's got issues. Uh, quarterback controversy, you know, Jalen Hurts uh, has absolutely done fantastic uh, being a quarterback for Philadelphia. <coughs> and, and also we kind of mentioned this with uh, the Colts, who are no longer in it, but – Jalen Hurts, um, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles are the only uh, – they are the worst passing attack. And if the Colts made the playoffs, Carson and Jalen would be kind of the worst quarterbacks because they haven't thrown the most amount of passing yards. But Jalen, I would give him a little credit because he's more of a dull threat than Carson is. But, you want to hear another Colts stat that I forgot to mention earlier? What is that? Uh, so I'll give credit to Paul – him, Bikidis, Bikidis, I guess, he's producer for Get Up and ESPN Radio stuff. Strange but true, the Colts who missed the playoffs played more minutes with a lead this season, 562 minutes, than both the Packers, 521, and the Titans, 490, who are the number one seeds. Huh. The Colts choked so much this year. They, they really have. And I think they were uh, with a touchdown lead against... Uh, or maybe even a 10-point lead against uh, the Raiders, and they still lost. This is a Colts hate podcast. Unfortunately, that's what this is turning into. Like they, they were 96% chance at the beginning of Week 17 to make the playoffs. They were like 81% uh, against Jacksonville, and they lost in both games. And if they won in either, they would have been in. That's It's just sad for Colts. But back to Philadelphia and Tampa and, uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, <laughs> that a lot of people talk about. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay is a very good team. Like, obviously, New York is kind of a one-off. Um, a lot of teams in the NFL do this sometimes where they play down to their competition, and that's what I think Tampa Bay did in New York. And then they just handled their business against Carolina because, yeah, they're not going to do that again. Uh, Tampa's got a you know tremendous team, obviously. They're a little bit hurt with Antonio Brown because not every single person on that field is a pro, is a former Pro Bowler. Um, they probably got to go to Wal- uh, their local Walmart before uh, Tampa Bay to get a Scotty Miller or um, a you know John Smith to uh, absolutely pop off against all these playoff teams. But Tampa is a really good team. Philadelphia, like I mentioned, they were a rebuilding team. No one thought they were going to be in the playoffs this year. 
Um, and this year, luckily for them, because Carson Wentz played in, uh, I think it was like 80% of the games or 75, something like that, uh, they have Indianapolis's first round pick. So this year, and I mentioned this, I think I mentioned it on the pod uh, last week, they have the, they have um, the Dolphins, not the Dolphins, yeah, the Dolphins pick, the Colts pick, and their pick uh, in the round of five. If they do lose this weekend, they have three picks and five, and the only two others would be uh, New Orleans and L.A. So they were a, real, a rebuilding team. They're a playoff team now, and – they just kind of reload, and they could absolutely compete next year for the uh, uh, NFC East title with the uh, uh, roller coaster of the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, I love Philly, man, but I think Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay has got this, man. Yeah, no surprise, Don also picked Tampa Bay to win this game. On a 430 window, CBS, which is weird because it's an NFC matchup, but CBS has this game. The San Francisco 49ers. And the Dallas Cowboys. It's like this, like the 80s again, the 90s, where these teams were dominant, even back to the 70s days. Um, but, you know, these two teams have the brand recognition that I think this game will do numbers. Uh, also, it's the playoffs, so it's going to do numbers regardless. I don't know what to make of this game because I think San Francisco has played very well at times. They've also have struggled at times this year. Um, they've had a lot of close games. I mean, Texas won by 16. Falcons and handle business. They have a head-scratching loss, but it's a division loss to the Seahawks. And then Dallas, you know, blows out Philadelphia, who we just mentioned, although Philly didn't play money people. Dallas has won five of six after losing back-to-back to the Chiefs and the Raiders. Uh, their only loss, Dallas, has to the Cardinals. Uh, another kind of head-scratching. This has been a wild year in the NFL. Dallas lost to Denver, thirty to sixteen. But Denver was actually yeah, decent they were at the time. Pulling the crap out. <laughs> yeah, the Dallas started the season hot at one point. They lost Tampa week one. Um, that being said, I think it's gonna be a fun game to watch. I think we'll see points flying left and right. I can't wait to see what Debo Samuel does. I think he's just fun to watch in general. And uh, but also Dallas, you know, Ceedee Lamb. I think it's a tremendous receiver. Obviously, they made him there. Uh, Cooper, fantastic to watch. And I think Dax can get the job done. I think it will be closer than people probably. I mean, the line's Dallas by three, so it's going to be a close game, I think. But give me Dallas. You're playing at home in Jerry World. It is January football in Dallas. You haven't seen it in a while. Um, so, yeah, give me the Cowboys this weekend. Christian, how do you see 49ers and the Cowboys going down? I mean, the only thing that I always question is what kind of uh... – what kind of quarterback are we going to see? Are we going to see the Dak Prescott against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one? Or, you know, are we going to see the Dak Prescott against the Kansas City Chiefs? Same thing with San Francisco. Are we going to see the Jimmy Garoppolo against the Titans or the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, last week against the Rams? This will do two touchdowns, two interceptions last week, excuse me. Oh, well, I guess I wasn't paying attention to the set line. But, yeah, no, I mean, the sets don't tell the whole story. I get it, yeah. but. But, like, what what am I going to see? Am I going to see a guy who is going to, you know, throw into danger and not make the right decisions and try to win the game by himself? Or are we going to see a guy who is reliant, who is careful? I mean, this is like, this is it. You you lose, you're done. Like, there's no, there's no, ah, uh, maybe next week we'll get him. 
no, there's going to be a next year and a lot of stuff can happen and a lot of turmoil can change. You know, Washington could get better. And all of a sudden you guys are three and 14. Like, a t- like this is a big opportunity for Dallas and for Mike McCarthy really to be like, Hey, we're, you know, I'm a good coach. I'm, you know, we have a good team and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, what kind of guy are we going to see? Same thing with the running game, same thing with the defense. What are we going to see? And these two teams are wildly inconsistent. I don't trust these two teams to make a long run. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, obviously, like one of them are going to one of them is going to go to the division game because in overtime in uh, in the playoffs, obviously someone needs to win. I would absolutely take uh, not having to play any team, and we can just go in the NFC Championship game. That'd be awesome. But it's not like that in the NFL. Um, I think Dallas is going to win, though. I think they just have a better team overall. And when they want to play, they're really good. Um, And when they don't want to play, obviously, they're trash. So they have to be on the money, on point, every single play. Because San Fran and Debo Samuel, really Debo Samuel, he can make this team tremendous and make this offense go uh, and that's the one thing is Dallas, San Fran can shut down, you know, he can shut down Amari, but like, oh, there's, um, uh, shoot, C.D. Lamb who could come out of nowhere. Obviously, Michael Gallup's injury sucks, and they don't have three beasts on the line, but, you know, Dallas still has more weapons and a bet and a much better defense. Uh, coming into this year, Micah Parsons has been unbelievable. Trey Diggs, now he's got to play good. Like Trey cannot be interception heavy. If if it's there, catch it. If not, don't. Just worry about Debo Samuel because I guarantee it's going to be Trey. He leads the league in interception, but also leads the league in yards allowed. That's exactly what I'm saying. It, well, sometimes he goes for the interception, not really because like he gets blown coverages a ton. It's he wants to catch the ball and he misses it and the receiver catches it and he runs off. And that's the thing. Trey is kind of, you know, he makes great plays, but sometimes he makes some stupid plays. So Trey's just got to play his game and not worry about interceptions at all. Just play your game, just stay in your lane and get your team to win. That's the most important thing. So I think Dallas does take the dub, but San Fran could absolutely, uh, Debo Samuel, I should say, could absolutely pop off and uh, absolutely ups- shock the world and upset Dallas. Gosh, I wish we had Dawn on because he thinks the 49ers can win this game. And I mean, they definitely can. There is Two teams are playing. One of them can win the game. So I definitely could see the 49ers if Debo has a good game. But a player we, none of us mentioned was Michael Parsons. I think Parsons is going to be very good this weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, this game, I don't think we'll have much of a discussion on it. It's Stillers-Chiefs. They played in the regular season. The Chiefs blew them out 36-10. They jumped out to a 30-0 lead early in the game. Uh, Byron Pringle had two touchdowns that night. Deontay Johnson had a late touchdown with 2.54 to go. Pittsburgh's only touchdown. I, unfortunately, I think all signs are pointing to this could be Big Ben's last game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. You're on the road. You're playing in Arrowhead Sunday night. I don't know why they didn't put Dallas as a Sunday yeah, night game. I didn't like this, the scheduling of, yeah, let's it, a blowout, a potential blowout game is. The, I mean, yeah, the largest line it, of the weekend, 12 and a half, 
for the Chiefs. Uh, it's the TV contracts, but I don't know who has the first say when they schedule it through TV rights and whatnot. Uh, also, Nickelodeon has the – because of CBS and Nickelodeon have the same parent company, I guess Paramount. So the 49ers Cowboys game, you can watch it on Nickelodeon if you choose to. Oh, yeah, I will, commentary. That yeah, be I will be watching the CBS or Prime version of that game for the record uh, just because I like to listen to, you know, Jim Nance and uh, Tony Romo. That's an aside there. You get Steelers, Chiefs, Sunday Night Football, where probably Al Michaels and uh, Chris Collins were from shut to play on the sidelines for that crew. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't have much to say. I think Kansas City, it's unfortunate. This is the first time Mahomes has had to play in a wild card because – this first cup, this first year starting, they had the two wild card teams. They were also the one seed. Or, you know, two teams, two top two teams made the bye, but they were the one seed. Last year, they were the only bye. Um, Kansas City's old lines also vastly improved since last year. I, mean, I know there was injuries up there, but just reading some end of the year reporting, you know, Creed Humphrey from the rookie out of Oklahoma, Trey Smith, rookie out of Tennessee, they took it the sixth round, which is a wild that he fell that deep. And then, you know, you add in Joe Tooney, take him from New England. Uh, you get Kyle Long on the team. Orlando Brown in a trade. That O-line, Christian, I know you can speak more to the O-line than I can, but that O-line is vastly improved from what we saw in the Super Bowl where they were missing both tackles and Tampa Bay's pass rush got there. I think T.J. Watt's a great pass rusher, probably the deepest play of the year, but I think Kansas State's O-line is good enough. They can probably prevent him from getting as many sacks as he would like to get that night. So the floor is yours, Christian. But also speak up to the old light on Kansas City, how improved they are for a second. I mean, they're they're vastly improved. Obviously, uh, I cannot remember his name on top of my head, but one of their offensive linemen, uh, Laurent uh, Tarif, I forget how to pronounce his name correctly, and I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, I know who I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but he is an actual doctor uh, in the actual medical field, and he actually took the year off in a pandemic and tried to help people, which is absolutely amazing. But in, in bad term, the offensive line really suffered of Kansas city. You also lose Eric Fisher and your other starting tackle the week yes, before the Super, Bowl. Super Bowl for this, uh, for, cause he got injured in the AFC championship game in the Super Bowl. He was deemed out, but yeah. I mean, this offensive line is vastly improved. Uh, Orlando Brown, obviously, uh, he did fall in the draft class because he did not have a great combine. He's not the physical beast that he is, but he's very technically sound and has definitely been a much better left tackle for uh, Patrick Mahomes. Joe Thune, like you mentioned. Creed Humphrey, who's, by the way, I think he's kind of like the um, – oh, my gosh. I wrote, uh, Tristan Wirfs of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year where he was a rookie, but, yeah, he was doing amazing. Uh, Creed Humphrey has definitely been one of the best offensive lineman rookies in the NFL. Kyle Long coming out of retirement to help Kansas City. Uh, and Andrew Weil, he's probably like the worst of the offensive linemen, but he's still very good. Um, this offensive line is definitely much better. Um, obviously, if Orlando goes down and Andrew goes down, they're kind of screwed because I don't really trust a ton of Trey Smith. I don't trust uh Prince uh Prince Tiga they're not as great offensive linemen as obviously the starters are but they're very good um but I mean Kansas City Kansas City's definitely got this game in the bag there's no question about that uh when the quarterback of the opposing team says oh yeah we're going to lose so we're just gonna have fun 
it's kind of like, how, just what? And I think a lot of Steelers fans kind of expected, like, we're in the playoffs and it's awesome, but, like, we're going to lose and get our butts whooped. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, I don't see Pitt really having a chance unless Kansas City plays their backups. Like, Kansas City, get to, like, a 49 nothing lead, and then you're good. Uh, but, again, with the Steelers' front, like, the Steelers' defense is definitely the biggest threat to Kansas City because their offense is absolutely in shambles. But T.J. Watt absolutely is incredible. And against Andrew, because he's usually on uh, – he's usually more on the right side of the offensive line. So against Andrew, he's probably going to absolutely beat him. But they could do something where um, Orlando could, you know, whatever – wherever y'all see T.J., the tackles just switch. Uh, so TJ could definitely be uh, going up against uh, Orlando or a better offensive lineman than Andrew. But Kansas City has this in the bag. It's not even close. Yeah, I, I want this to be a competitive game. Hell, I'd have seen upset with Pittsburgh taking it down and ending Kansas City's season. But it's not going to appear like it's going to be that way. And now for the first time ever, Monday Night Football – in the playoffs, ESPN, you know, they normally do get um, a couple games a year. They usually get those Saturday games in the past. But, you know, ABC has the rights to it now. The whole NFL contract. They decide to add a Monday Night Football game, which I guess is not too different than, you know, playing Sunday and then playing the following Saturday during the regular season. Or, like, even the rest of they got Monday, they get to next Sunday. Whoever's playing this game, they're not going to play on Saturday. It's too short of a break, at least in my opinion. I mean, I guess, like you said, Thursday night football into Sunday, it could work. But it's the playoffs. You want to be everyone well well rested. The winner of this game is likely playing Sunday. And barring an upset, the winner of this game is probably playing Green Bay. I mean, don't think it's going That could be a possibility. But so Green Bay on two weeks rest versus these guys on potentially six days rest. Um, That's that's another story for we're out looking a little bit further in advance. But this game, two teams, same deal as New England and Buffalo, where the road team won both regular season meetings between the two franchises. Uh, early in the season, week four, the Cardinals just obliterate the Rams 37-20. to 20, And then uh, about a month or so ago, the Rams returned the favor, winning 30-23 to 23 on the road. So this game on the road, you would think the Cardinals could have it. The shot, I think it's going to be fun because Cliff Kingsbury, for better or worse, what you think of him as a coach, his play calling is, fan, is fun to watch. Kyler is a fun quarterback. I've liked him since Oklahoma days. Um, and Stafford has yet to get a playoff win throughout his career. Grant, he was in Detroit, only made a couple times in Detroit's roster. I mean, he had a chance a couple times, I think, because, you know, they had Calvin Johnson still. But that's a whole other discussion. I think it's going to be a fun game. Akers, I think we'll get we'll see more work from him this week. Um, as he's still returned from his Achilles injury, Michelle has been tremendous for them. Um, the X factor for me though is Cooper Cup and uh, Christian Kirk. Who is going to be better? Uh, you look at the defense matchup. You know, Jalen Ramsey put him on Kirk. Uh, I think it's, that's a lockdown match. I think Kirk can maybe get one or two good plays on him, but you know, Jalen Ramsey top corner for a reason. Unfortunately, it sucks that Jordan Fuller for the Rams is injured. 
Uh, he's not going to play. Taylor Rapp's questionable right now. Um, the Rams had to go get Eric Weddle for retirement to play this game because of Jordan Fuller being ruled out with an injury to, uh, unfortunately, in the season there. Both teams had won. Uh, Rams were 12 and 5, Cardinals 11 and 6. It sucks that somebody has to go home this early. That's just the nature of the playoffs and how the, the cookie crumbles here. I mean, look on the other side in the AFC, you had the Rays and the Beagles both have 10 wins. Someone has to lose. Uh, Steve Pagers, 10, 11 wins. So we'll see a couple of teams with double digit wins, uh, unfortunately, having to have their season cut short early. Uh, but see, it's in LA, SoFi Stadium, which, by the way, is home of the Super Bowl this year. Uh, should the Rams make it be the second year we have a home team in the Super Bowl? That's another story. Looking a little too far in advance there. But I think the Rams, you know, it's home environment. You, you're in L.A. Uh, you know, it's going to be back and forth because division game. Two teams know each other well. Um, but I can't pick against the Rams. That was my preseason. Um, you guys had them as the preseason champions. I had them losing to the Bucks in the conference title. But you had them actually – you and – Dalton Poe, believe it or not, if you remember, you picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl. I do, I do remember. So, um, do you have the Rams winning this week, or are you going to hedge your bet and pick the Cardinals this weekend? Uh, no, like, I, I was absolutely thinking about what in the heck am I going to do? Because I picked the Bills to make the Super Bowl, and I picked them to lose this weekend. So, yeah. I, I guess I'm technically not going to lose if you want to be I mean, maybe, like, who, who knows? <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, I think the Cardinals and the Rams are absolutely going to be – uh, that is probably going to be one of the better playoff games in you know during this wild uh you know wild card weekend. It's it's tough with me because I choose the Rams and they lose. I don't choose the Rams and they win. I can't win in this situation. Uh, like how this year has gone down. I I think this is definitely on Matthew Stafford. It this and I've heard this on you know on get up and I've heard this on first take if the Rams lose it's more on Matthew Stafford and it's going to hurt his legacy the most Kyler Murray this is his third season in the NFL obviously his first trip into the playoffs I think Kyler I think people would kind of relax on Kyler to you know, not like, yeah, at the beginning of the season, they were, you know, they were last undefeated team and they still lost uh, badly uh, in a lot of these games. And yet they come up short in the wild card weekend and then, you know, lose to a division rival and against the Rams and all this stuff. Um, but I think the Rams do win this. And I want it more for Matthew Stafford, similar what, like, I want Detroit to succeed, is because. This guy has been given nothing but his absolute best for the team, and it's just not good enough sometimes in Detroit because he doesn't have anything in Detroit besides Calvin Johnson. Like, they didn't never really have a tremendous running game or a tremendous, um, you know, a tremendous offense to really succeed uh, past the regular season. So I want Matthew to win because he has Cooper Cup, who's absolutely tremendous. They got a good defense. They got a good offensive line and an offensive standing and great coaching. I want them to win for Matt. It's just going to be very tough. Um, so my 
I mean, I, I got the Rams in this because I want them to do well, but it's just going to be a tough game. But I got I especially got, if JJ Watt is playing and he's back to what we know he can do. I know he's come back from an injury. Still uncertain if he will play, but if Watt plays and he can play what we know J.J. Watt can play like, that is going to be a long day for Stafford and company. Oh, very much. But I still I still trust uh, the Rams to get the job done, especially when all eyes were on them to be Super Bowl favorites. Uh, they got to win for, their, for every single person's pride because they went all in. They don't have first-round picks or second-round picks. They they got like they're kind of like the Texans, but you know a better version, obviously. Um, they they gotta you know get up, re kind of make this team better from the scraps uh, and not from the uh, the top tier talent in this class. So, you know they they really gotta win to kind of benefit everybody, owner, GM, coach, players. It, it's kind of all all in the. I McVay McVay made a Super Bowl with Jared Goff at quarterback. Yeah, they also had a, they had a lot of talent. They had Brandon Cooks no longer on the team. Todd Gurley was great that season. A lot of other factors, but he made a quarterback made the Super Bowl with Jared Goff as their quarterback. But and that's the thing. Like I'm not saying that they can't, but they they all say, "Oh, I'm all in." You like we all we all can agree they have a better quarterback. Uh, they have a better quarterback than they did. Uh, the they have a better running back room than uh, they did a, when they just had Ty Gurley and that was it. Uh, I think they have a better number one receiver in Cooper Cup. Like, they have better everything, and they have better defensive pass rushers other than Aaron Donald, who's one of the greatest defensive tackle talents we've ever seen at his height, especially at six foot. So they have a ton of talent, and for them to just waste it and lose in wildcard weekend, it would absolutely haunt them for the entire offseason and kind of be like, you, you did all that and you got nothing out of it. So, you know, what's going to happen? We'll find out Monday. All right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very fun weekend for uh, football. I'm excited for all the games. I think, I mean, we saw the Magic Johnson. I don't know if you did Magic Johnson tweet. It kinda, it's a little bit to poke fun of him because, like, AFC, NFC is so wide open. They're all going to be fun. It's like, yes, the way he put it sounds like super, like, well, duh. But yeah. I don't know. I'm excited for this weekend and the rest of the playoffs. Christian, I know you can enjoy uh, kind of like I did with New England. And I know you have two with Green Bay last year in the past as they've been one or two seeds for the most part of our lifetime. Uh, you can just sit back, relax, watch all the games. Uh, you're going to troll Dalton and I, I know, if our teams go down. And that's oh, all you, I'm good You already know it. You already oh, know it. Oh, I will definitely troll Dalton. And if we lose to Buffalo, you know, so be it. You know, I – I was having you in the playoffs this year. That's why I had preseason was making the playoffs. And, you know, I'm just, okay. Cincinnati is my team that I, if Patriots cannot win it and Camp Bay doesn't win it, I'll like to see Cincinnati win it because that team has been through a lot as a fan base. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, get, and getting playoff wins and like, because every, like, in, including myself, I was not the biggest fan of the Jamar Chase uh, draft, uh, the draft pick. They definitely should have gone online, but. A receiver brings up the hype, and again, this offseason they have to get exactly the it It's brought up the hype. It's brought up uh, every like everyone's talking about the Bengals and Jamar Chase. Like that's that's huge. Uh, if this year, if they go out to get a receiver or anything else but the offensive line, I'll be I'll be like, I don't care about the stupid hype stuff. You need to protect this daggum guy because if you don't, 
he his career is going to end shortly like RG3's did and you guys are going to regret that forever so yeah. fun episode with you Christian I wish Dawn could stay longer next week's going to be a very fun episode we break down all six games preview the next four games um, anything else you want to add before we wrap the show up um, everybody listening, have a great weekend. Uh, it's, this is, uh, it was something, it was super wildcard weekend. I think it was called like, that's what they, that's what they dubbed it last year. I think they're still technically dubbing yeah, it this year. Super. Uh, but everybody enjoyed this wildcard weekend. You got three days of wildcard action. Uh, you know, just have a blast. Enjoy these, uh, these games while it lasts. Obviously, uh, we're going to end the season in February. And we're going to be without football for seven months, basically. Like, real football for seven months. So, really enjoy this time with your family, friends, and colleagues. And let's have a great playoff year. All right. As always, thanks for listening to Out of Bounds. Um, feel free to you know, share the podcast, review the podcast on Spotify, Apple. Uh, any feedback you want to give us, perfectly fine with that. Um, but, you know, I'm Spencer Brown. I'm Christian Ernst. And for Dalton Bishop, who had to leave earlier, uh, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.